Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is the podcast where a guy with a film degree, a guy who knows how to work a DVD player, talk to you about movies. Our first review of the week, you guessed it, it's another Marvel movie, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Then we watched one of the most brutal movies I've ever seen in my life in Bone Tomahawk. Those reviews and a little bit of news coming up on this episode of Brownie Points. Reviews and news. All right. Hello, everybody. Happy Sunday. Happy fun day. There's a crinkle. Yeah. Not going Not going for three on this? <laughs> no, I, I still got plenty left. And frankly, after this, I'll probably just have like a Gatorade. I was going to say like it's, I mean, you, yeah, probably not staying up crazy later, right? But no, I, uh, we'll get into it in personal updates. My sleep schedule is all messed up and I'm really tired. Yeah, I could imagine after what you did this weekend. Um, but yeah, as long-time listeners know, we come at you on Sundays with a little bit of news and a little bit of personal updates before we go into the actual film reviews on Tuesday and Thursday. Um, my my updates, I just, I could be super quick on mine. Uh, I haven't been up to that much. Uh, Joan and I, uh, we actually watched, um, and I'm going to give a little bonus recommendation to Four Good Days. It's on Hulu right now. I've actually got a bonus recommendation. I don't remember the name of it. It is from the people that did the Malice at the Palace documentary that just came out on Netflix. Oh, I still haven't watched that yet. They have another one that came out about a hockey team that basically an Italian mobster bought his 17-year-old son. Oh. And that documentary is really good. Nice. It's uh, untold. I don't remember... Like the rest oh, of the I've title. Seen, but I've seen the I've seen the poster for Untold. Yeah, yeah, it's about the Danbury Trashers. Awesome documentary. Nice. I you just reminded me we're still waiting for that stupid Alanis Morissette documentary, and I'm actually seeing her. Also, watch the Malice at the Palace documentary. That one's really good too. I I've, I've heard a lot of people say that one's a good one. I, Have you? So this is something. This is not important. Do Do you remember? Because we were in sixth grade when that happened, and I remember. Oh, that. were we? Yes, because I remember, I was wondering if your school did this, the Monday after that happened, our principal went on the morning announcements to basically say, this happened over the weekend, we do not condone this kind of stuff, do not look up to people that behave like that, and I was like, this is a pro basketball game that has nothing to do with our school, why are you addressing this? I don't recall. I remember my school principal addressing the school about that fight. That's weird. Yeah. I, not that I recall. I, I can't remember my principal actually doing that. I barely remember that, that I, you just reminded me that we were that, well, old, relatively speaking, I, that, that, that happened when we were in sixth grade. Like I, I, I'd have to watch the documentary to really remember literally anything about it. I know the name, but, um, but no, I, I, many doc, many a documentary I haven't checked out yet that I want to, um, like the Alanis Morissette one that's not on HBO yet, and I'm seeing her Friday, and I can't wait. Like, and I'm so, actually, I don't Isn't know. Isn't it ironic? Maybe it's, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's a good thing that I'm seeing her in concert before I see the movie. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. You, you watch the movie and you're like, I hate her. <laughs> now I have to go spend or go get the, go use these tickets I spent hundreds of dollars on. Oh, whew, whew. I would have I would have told Joe no if I paid more than what I did pay. <laughs> we're paying we're we're sitting in the lawn 
And are you seeing it at the outdoor venue? Yeah, we're 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 going a little north of here to you know the you know the amphitheater. Yeah. Yeah, we're going and, to we're uh, we're going to that one. Okay. Just a little just a little north of Indy. But yeah. yeah, that's that's where we're gonna be seeing it. Um but no, the the movie anyway, uh it's got going close, Mila Kunas. Um it's based on a true story um that was in the Washington Post about a woman that was like hooked on like meth and coke and like she literally had been in and out of rehab 15 times and she was told that she could get this shot that basically like would prevent her from getting high i don't know if you've heard of a shot like that like narcan it may maybe i can't remember the name of it but like basically it's a shot that like you can take and like is it a daily shot oh it's a monthly once a month okay i don't know what that is i can't remember what the name of it from the movie was anymore but like basically it's a shot that you take once a month and like if you relapse like you basically like don't feel the effects of it it's basically to like help people like through recovery oh uh they have clinics for this right possibly i can't say I hear it, you hear it a lot with like heroin addicts. What is it? Yeah, but um, basically this movie was about Mila Kunis's character, like trying to. She was already in a rehab center for three days that Medicare covered, but then she had to spend the next four days with her mom, who's like at her wits' end, but like still loves her and like wants her because she can tell she's being serious this time. So it's basically like how they get through the last four days until she's allowed to get the shot like that's the movie and i i'm not gonna lie really highly recommend it it's a very good movie you know how these go like if you've ever seen like a recovery or an addict movie before but like we talk about in our review on tuesday it's the presentation it's not the result it's how you present it and it's done exceptionally well going close is always great mila kuna's in a dramatic role Definitely didn't know she could do that. Well, except for <laughs> Black, Black Swan. Swan, but yeah, Jinx. <laughs> but no, she she's excellent in it. Um, it's from the guy that created In Treatment, and I've talked before on the show how much I love that show. And uh, I don't know, that's my little bonus recommendation. Uh, outside of that, I mean, haven't really. I got a cat that is living on my porch. <laughs> my neighbors up and moved. I was gonna say, is it the cat that the, your neighbors had? Yeah, they just decided to leave her. So I now have a cat that just lives on my porch. That's not my cat, but literally won't leave the front of my door. And I don't know what the hell's going to happen. <laughs> I talked to a neighbor that lives down the block that put food on my porch. I'm like, all right, cool. That's fine. I don't care. Like, she, I'm not going to take her. But, like, Joan was looking at her, and she thinks she's pregnant. So, like, and, like, she, you could feel bumps on her. She definitely has fleas because she, she's an outdoor cat and like i i don't know what to do like she's just living on my porch but i don't want to take care of this cat and i definitely don't want to take care of this cat if it's pregnant like yeah yeah so that's been going on (laughs) she's probably going to be at the porch when i get home after this but i i don't know that's what's going on there's no end to this story i don't know what the end of the story is going to be if it's going to be next week if i adopted this cat or she just ran away to some other block. You're going to come back. You're like, I got a pet iguana. Yeah, my neighbors My neighbors left last week. They were they were packing up the whole weekend, like starting on that Thursday after we were done taping, and they were they were gone by this last Monday. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen to this cat. <laughs> That's not the only thing that happened to you. What about today? Um. Oh, yeah, the promotion I talked about. Um. 
how I mentioned, what, a week or two weeks? Yeah, two weeks ago now, um, I was just kind of sitting in, like, limbo, just, like, I'm allowed to get promoted, but, like, they're just waiting for the right spot for me to step into, like, if that makes sense. Yeah, I got that spot, and in, it was in the matter of literally two hours between talking to my manager, he was like, he was like, oh, I got a lead. I'm going to see if it matches, like, certain things that you're looking for. I'm like, okay. He comes back an hour later and says, if you sign that you want to do it today, you're starting on Monday. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, I just whirlwind of emotions at work today, too. But, uh, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not happy. I'm. You're, I think your new promotion, like, where you were telling me where you're going to be working, too, like... I'm it's, much closer to the studio. Well, you're, you're closer <laughs> to here, but also I think you're actually closer to your house. By like... I think it saves you five minutes of a commute. Five or seven minutes if we want to like split hairs. But like... I mean, if we want to get like to the minute. But like, yeah. I mean, it does save me a little bit of time. And I'm going west. I'm also, going... whenever you're done, you will be here way sooner. Yeah. It won't take me 45 freaking minutes to get here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I, if it's, if it's where I think it is, you do not run into traffic getting from there to my house. Oh, I thought I showed you on Google maps. No, if I'm just saying that, like I've driven that route quite oh, a bit. Yeah. If, if you take the route that I take from like, cause I, it's a semantic thing, but like, yeah. if you take the route that I'm thinking you'll take, it'll not be traffic, no traffic. You will be here in 10 minutes. Oh yeah. You, I, you really will not hit traffic. I trust Google maps. It's. I'm super happy, like, um, but yeah, like, it's driving west instead of south, like, it's, it's a shorter commute to work, it's a hell of a lot shorter commute to come see you, like, it's more like if I, or no, well, I mean, it's not, I mean, it's, it's what it is, I'm just about to ramble now, but, no, like, honestly, I'm super happy that it finally, like, happened, like, without getting into, like, super details about why it took two weeks, but, um, two weeks? Yeah, no, I'm, I, honestly, today was a great day. Uh, otherwise, I mean, uneventful, relatively speaking, week. Um, except I'm super jazzed that football's back. Hopefully you guys are listening to us while watching football instead of terrible Joe Buck commentary. But, uh, I, hey, you do you. Uh, you had a very eventful yeah. yesterday. <laughs> or no, two days two ago. Two days ago. <laughs> yeah, I had, a, I had a very eventful weekend. I saw Dan uh, Friday night to watch our movie. Saturday I saw Dan again to watch a movie. And then uh, after he left, someone else came over uh, for the evening. Um, and then the day after, we went and saw my in-laws. The day after that, uh, I drove... Uh, I went to the Pat Maroon signing, so I drove from where I live to St. Louis and back, and it was a long time. <laughs> it was a lot of driving. I did eight hours of driving that day. Um, I left my house at one in the afternoon. I got back at midnight. Um, <laughs> totally worth it, though. Uh, yeah, it was. I've done. I've kind of done this before. Um, with where I live now, I'm like, I really like driving. Like I like going on road trips and I just, sorry. I just realized it's the top of the eighth and Wainwright is still pitching. Yeah. He's doing pretty good. Good uh, Lord. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> well, we can't really rely on our bullpen to win the game for him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I really like going on road trips and I did this once before last year. Um, 
I bought some pucks for an autograph signing and was given very little heads up about the autograph signing. So I was like, all right, fine. So I'll just get them and drive them over there because there's no way I'm going to get them mailed to them in time. Yeah. So I got them and drove them over and then basically drove back but uh, stopped to see friend of the show, Justin, and he lives about... Oh, you did, you did end up stopping there? Last year. Oh, oh, sorry. I My bad. Damn. And he, he lives about an hour away from here. So I did that last year. This this year, um, so I, I went to the autograph signing. It was, it was interesting because I hadn't been to a public autograph signing since January. Like, I actually, when COVID struck, I think the week, like, when we were sitting there in the theater watching The Hunt... Mm. that weekend i was actually going to go to st louis to go to a public autograph signing and then and it and got then it canceled can't. as i was in the movie oh dang yeah so i hadn't been to one since january of 2020 it wasn't really all that different to be honest with you um we had to wear masks other than that everything was exactly the same i was gonna say they they made you wear one right like yeah you, regardless of status you had to wear one um, and th- like the only thing that was kind of weird and I don't chalk this up to COVID was they said it from like the time they like announced the signing to like, he's not going to be able to come in for very long. Like normally for these signings, the window given like the shortest I've seen is an hour and a half. And it, that like was one time. Yeah. I normally see between two hours to two and a half hours. They were like, he can only come in for this exact hour. Dang. And I was like, okay. So because of that, it was kind of rushed. Um, but it, he was not rude. Like, he was nice and personable. I talked to him a bit. Uh, he asked me some questions. Like, he asked me questions about how I wanted some stuff signed. But I could use, because I used the items I got, I used paint pens. So you have to prep them. Yeah. I could use my own markers. I was allowed to prep them. So it was honestly it felt really normal like the part that was weird didn't feel like it was weird because of covid it felt weird because they were like yeah we didn't get a very good time frame um, yeah but yeah uh did that and then uh also got the uh got something for like a wedding thing that me and kelsey won't have been wanting to do since we got married we wanted to get a jersey to go in a jersey case like the ones i have around our house yeah that me and her sign and we do like the bat i proposed to her with and some other stuff tied to our wedding goes in that shadow box yeah um i finally got the jersey for that i still got to get him to put our name on it because the place i went to they're like we're out of the letter a i was like okay. <laughs> well they're because of all the plant shutdowns like text the textile mills that they use oh they're not making those like we went i've this i've gone to two or three different businesses in that area it's a chain yeah they're all out of like just random stuff Hmm, that's weird because they're not getting shipments in because of shutdowns um but i got that uh i drove back because of um i didn't i i really wanted to just get home that night because i was like i want to go fishing the next morning yeah so I got back at midnight, but in order to make sure that I stayed up long enough, I drank a bunch of caffeine. <laughs> so I didn't fall asleep till two in the morning. Wait, well, how do you consume your caffeine? Because you're not so, a coffee guy. Okay. I got a. I got like. I think I drank a Mountain Dew when I left. I stopped uh, halfway there and got a different. I got a Mountain Dew Major Melon. 
gotcha. bottle. Yeah. So it's like two cans. Okay. Um, <laughs> got there. And then when I got dinner, I got a large Coke. <laughs> and then I got back and I didn't fall asleep until two. So much sugar. Yeah, it was it was so much sugar. Um, I weighed in uh, on Tuesday and I was like, "Damn, um, <laughs> well, crap." Um, a good chunk of it's actually already come off. I think of like the poundage that I'd gained. Ooh, home run, yay! Way to go, Tyler. Um, <laughs> the poundage, <laughs> but uh, the like I think basically I weighed like four pounds heavy to where I should have been, and I've already lost two pounds of it. Damn. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so I got back at two and I took the next day off cause I was like, I'm getting back super late. I'm not going to want to go to work. I'm just going to take that day off. Yeah. And I woke up at seven 30. I only got five and a half hours of sleep. And, uh, so yeah, I'm still pretty tired. I, you're, but your inability to like legit sleep in is astounding to me. I've, yeah, I'm very much a habit-formed person, and once I, like, s- consistently wake up at a certain time, I have a hard time shutting that off. Oh, no, tomorrow? Guarantee you I will not be up before 9 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've, I've texted you on your days off, and it's kind of amazing how late you sleep. I'm jealous. Um, Oh, yeah, no. Work days are different, but tomorrow, the day after, my all three of my three days off, nope, you'll never see me up before 9. <laughs> yeah. But this, the stuff I got signed turned out pretty good too. I had a, I was kind of debating on one item. I was debating what color paint panda went with, and I actually really liked the one I went with, yeah. as opposed to the other one. But yeah, everything turned out great. Um, they look honestly, they look good. You were just showing me them. They, yeah. they look great. It, it felt really good too. Like <laughs> what he signed on the bottom of the number seven. It's really funny. Yeah, though. that was really funny. Hometown. Ugh. He honestly, <laughs> I, I got something I've never. It's got. like you need to make guidelines for him, like pens, like paper. <laughs> Which is funny because I kind of did. <laughs> you you went so far as to like without putting a line through the I number. I put painters tape on it and labeled like right here. Put this inscription right here. Put this inscription. Yeah. Sign your name here really big, <laughs> and then put the COA sticker here. And yeah. the one on the bottom, he wrote his nickname's Hometown Hero, and he like at the bottom of the seventy wrote Hometown close to the bottom, and he got there and he stopped for a second. And he's like, uh, Hero, like he made it fit. Yeah. <laughs> But I've, really, I've God, given so funny. The, the most inscriptions I've ever got on a jersey was either my Mark McGuire jersey or my Jim Edmonds jersey. My Mark McGuire jersey, I wasn't there when it was signed because it was a private signing. Uh-huh. Jim Edmonds one I was there for. The Pat Maroon jersey I got done had half the inscriptions, but I, I like set it on the table and Pat's like, oh my God. <laughs> like, because <laughs> like, I had it all labeled and stuff. I was like, dude, what? Um, yeah, it, it felt really good to be there. It was really, honestly, um, comforting to know that it's not going to change that much as a result of this because it was pretty much the same yeah um it's not like i mean he is sitting in front of several people but he's never in front of one person for longer than what like two minutes at the most and we had to have masks on yeah um the uh which is good because when we go me and kelsey go to our last baseball game for the year in late september um I'm going, there's a signing for Rick Ankiel there, and I'm going to be participating in that. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good to finally go back to in-person signings. Like, going going back to games was huge. If I had to wait as long as you did for signings to go back to the movie theater, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, 
si- going to sports and going to signings were my huge things. And I'm not trying to be an a-hole, but I waited way longer than you did oh, no, I for did. the freaking theater. Yeah. Oh, no. I... And people were making a bigger gripe about the movie theaters than, like, restaurants and, like, when can we have sports, been Like, I don't know. It's just fine to me that people were just like, movie theaters are the hotbed. I'm like, okay, How? but you're, but you're Although chomping the, at the maybe bit. Maybe they're to, enclosed, I But you're guess. chomping at the bit to go back to the bars and sporting events. Like, do you not understand the double standard here? Yeah. <laughs> like, I just... No, no, that, honestly, that's that's so cool. Like, I know how excited you were, like, when you went to your, went to baseball. But, like, the fact that you've gone to baseball and now this, like, in... I've been, I've been uh, to... A month? Less than a month? Yeah, I've basically... Because so... two weeks ago was the baseball game, wasn't it? Uh, Three weeks ago? Very late August. Okay. So... Um, oh, yeah, so... Uh, yeah. 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 But I went from not being in St. Louis for a year to stopping there twice in just a couple weeks. Basically, in a month time, I'm going there three times. Yeah, so you got another... And you got the other trip coming up soon, too. Yeah. Um but just move there already (laughs) i want to i just got to be employed there and i'll do it in a heartbeat oh yeah um but it's it was really it was really good to be back like it 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 was a small thing but to me it's a big thing and it made me really happy oh no i plus it's my favorite hockey player ever yeah oh no i completely no you don't even have to like i mean we're talking into mics for people but like i completely understand what you're coming where 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 you were coming from jesus the the only thing i gotta do now is i gotta get back to a hockey game because i've been to i've been to a football game i've been to baseball games i've been to signings i just got oh i was gonna say i was gonna say football starts tomorrow what are you talking about i forgot you went to one last year (laughs) honestly i i am trying to go to two specific games this year um one is far more likely than the other. Or no, I both... know, no, I know, I know the Green Bay game. I talked with my parents last night and kind of worked out. Oh, yo, like right if on. My, if my dad's still going, I'm, I am going to that one. Yo, there you go. Um, I just, I have to buy tickets. Yeah. Um, and then the Colts game that we were talking about during dinner. Yeah, that I, yeah, that's what we were talking. I didn't. Yeah. You were just. This is the first you've told me because you didn't tell me at dinner you had the Packer game more or less. Yeah. Like figured out. Yeah. Um, no, it, was, it was mainly it was mainly I was seeing if my dad was still comfortable with going um, for that. But um, I've been I've been to I've been to a football game since the closures. But given yeah, and you got to what, go you got to go on that podcast for it too. Yeah, title town sound off. Um, but given uh, when I went was still like heavily COVIDy. Oh yeah, no. I I remember that. I remember that time fairly vividly. <laughs> um, I'm interested in going to games this year where they're more lax on stuff. But having not been to a like the last sporting event we, I went to was a hockey game. Having not been to a hockey game since then, I'm pretty eager to get there too. How can so I, how where, can I phrase so, this without making so work, work on curving the flattening the curve or whatever? Because I've already got tickets for the hockey game too. How can I say this without sounding mean to the Colts? Are they requiring? Um, proof of a test, or is it like come one, come all? I can't remember. Okay, honestly, like I, I've got proof that I've well, yeah, been vaccinated, so it doesn't really matter to me. Well, yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, because I only, I, the Saints said that they were requiring proof. 
And I thought another team was requiring To be proof. honest with you, I don't think Indiana would be the team that's quote-unquote progressive enough to do that. You said what I was hesitant to. <laughs> and the Colts are like the third lowest vaccinated vaccinated roster in the league behind yeah. or ahead of the Vikings and Washington. So, yeah, having lived here for as, as long as I have now and you living through the entirety of it, yeah, I'm kind of, yeah, yeah. make... It's not a surprise. But anyway, yeah. enough enough ragging on that. Um, <laughs> the um, the news, since we've gone through our personal Who news. Who said I was done? I also went fishing on Tuesday. <laughs> oh, you, actually, I kind of want to... No talk, pick, no proof. <laughs> I, I kind of want to talk about... Um, so, Kelsey and I, we bought a new TV stand off of uh, your favorite website, not my favorite website, Amazon. Oh and yeah, you finally had to cave and use Amazon. <laughs> this well, also I used Amazon to buy the Wicker Man DVD I bought. Yeah, yesterday. I thought you did, or the day before. No, no, it, it, yeah, it was yesterday. I remember. Um, but so f- this was um, it was bought on Amazon.com, but it wasn't from like Amazon's delivery service. It was, it was a third party selling through Amazon. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I want to throw the shipping provider under the bus but let me just put it this way i never i was home all day yesterday i never i normally can hear those trucks come down our street i never heard the truck show up and then kelsey sends me a text she goes hey it says that the tv stand was delivered no it wasn't. there was nothing on the porch when i went outside <laughs> and then like i ended up uh like starting uh an incident report with that shipping company and they're like, all right, well, we'll contact, we'll go through this and we'll get back in touch with you. I never got back. They never gotten back in touch with me, but within 24 hours, I came back from work today and it was sitting on our front porch and they never followed up back with us saying like, Hey, here's what happened. So I don't know what happened. We finally got our TV stand, but that was freaking weird too. Hey, now, it worked. Now onto the news. Oh, actually thinking of buying stuff. Um, I told you that my hard drive ran out of space like weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> I finally ordered a new hard drive. It should be here tomorrow. Is it a, is it a lacy rugged drive? No, you're gonna laugh. It's a one terabyte equivalent of a jump drive. Oh wow! I didn't know they could get that much memory in those. Oh dude, I can. Um, if I can pull it up real quick, I'll show you. Like, <laughs> and I bought some night lights too because my place is dark. And uh, I won't, I won't tell the whole story, but basically, my girlfriend uh ate it on the stairs. <laughs> And she couldn't see. A lack of light was part of the reason, so <laughs> so I bought some night lights. Um, oh my gosh, why won't this? There it is. That's why I bought. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's like a little keychain, but yeah, and it was, and it was like thirty dollars cheaper than the actual like hard drive. The the lacy rugged drive. <laughs> yeah, and then these since they're up here, uh, this is the night light. That's what the night light looks like. Nice. Yeah, it's just a little cube. It's all that, and it's got like these different light temperatures like nice. use the yeah. white light i don't like yellow light i for a night light yeah i'm gonna use the white one too like i don't know what it is i don't like yellow light oh nice tung- stop tung- edmundo tungsten colored lights are good for dive bars and lighting movies but outside of that there's like no other good use for them are you excited for fall i am it's you- so nice outside now I, yeah, now that my AC works instead of during the heat wave. 
By by the way, if, is, I got, if you if you have allergies, start taking your allergy medicine because on my drive across a couple states of this country, I saw several several cornfields being combined already. Oh, I even me, I can feel like every now and then like it's the same feeling I get when I go somewhere really dusty. Like I can instantly feel my nose starting to get a little clogged. Yeah. Like it's not near as bad as yours, but like even I can feel like, oh yeah, like it's fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was telling Joan when we started dating, like I'm guaranteed to get sick. Um, usually it's um, in October. Like, I mean the October one's not as consistent, but either in October and in February, like, I am sick for at least three days during those two months because of stupid outdoor allergy stuff. Did we say who we'd cast Nick Cage to be in Bone Tomahawk? I did. I, yeah, no. Who I, was your pick? The bartender. Okay, I remember what my pick was. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. I needed that refresher. The rest of Bone Tomahawk, listeners, you'll just have to listen to on Thursday. Um. Anyway. Also, let me get out of the way. Fugue. <laughs> on to the news. We only have a we only have a couple news stories. Three in total, if you count the trailer. Um, so if you think that was long-winded, yeah. The first bit of news. Um, ah, man. Got to pour one out. Um, we have a Who Died This Week. And uh, this actor, Jesus Christ, I can't believe he actually died. Uh, Michael K. Williams. Uh, for those of you who are who are unaware of who he is, just Google his name, and I promise you, you'll recognize his face with a big scar that goes literally through his face. Um, he's also got kind of a higher pitched, raspy voice that's really like distinct, at least to me. Um, he was Omar Little in The Wire. Um, he was Chalky White in Boardwalk Empire. Um, He's nominated for an Emmy this year for Lovecraft Country, but um, my God, he has 110 acting credits. You surely have seen him in something. Um, but yeah, no, I was, I read that on, uh, what was that, Monday? He died on the 6th. Yeah, I, that was the first thing I saw when I got off of work uh, on Monday, and that sucks. I, I feel so bad for his family. He was only 54 um after as of this taping we don't know how uh, how or what happened yet um he was just found in his uh apartment in brooklyn by his nephew uh but jesus christ 54 dude that's maybe because maybe because we're knocking on 30 that doesn't seem that old to us anymore but <laughs> but god god damn i was i was so sad i i know i'm just saying the same thing but rest in peace to michael i it's it's a bummer to me knowing that we're not going to see him like in things anymore. Like, thank God that's the power of TV and movies and just the visual medium. He'll always be Omar and everyone else he's played. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty devastated when I saw that on Monday. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever seen him anything, but rest in peace. I'll say you've, you've recognized his face at least though, right? He kind of, I like, I looked at him. I was like, Oh, that guy, but I don't know if I've ever like watched him in anything. Well, I like I said, he's got a hundred and ten credits. Whoa. You surely have. <laughs> I know you haven't seen The Wire, but um, but no, that was yeah. Like I said, rest in peace, Michael. Um, he was actually doing a Vice show. Don't you have Vice? Yeah, I don't watch it that often though. Oh, okay, he was doing a black market show on Vice, and um, I actually saw that 
they filmed quote most of season two before Monday. So it's up in the air if they're going to air the ones that they can technically finish like in post or whatnot. But yeah, um, but yeah, that was really, that was fun to read on Monday for me. I, yeah, I just don't know. I'm old enough now that I get very, very touched when it's somebody that like, I feel like I've been able to say I've seen their career for at least a somewhat notable amount of time. Uh, the other thing you actually brought to my attention well, through our Facebook wall, but um, Stanley Tucci, it doesn't say what years he had cancer, but apparently he had a three-year bout with, uh, I don't know if you just want to broadly call it mouth cancer, but it said that he had a, a tumor on the base of his tongue. Yeah. And he um, he didn't necessarily want to do like chemo and radiation treatment because he saw his wife die of breast cancer in 2007 i want to say i don't have it in front of me but um i'm uh, sorry if that year was wrong but uh he was quoted as saying that he didn't after seeing his wife go, go through all that like i don't want to do that kind of treatment but he ended up doing it and it got bad enough that he did need a, a feeding tube but after three but three years later like i don't know how long ago that third year was but I mean, he seems fine and dandy now. He did this interview, but um, thank God it had a happy ending like that instead of Stanley Tucci just has cancer. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that would have bummed me out. I mean, do you, or, do you know Stanley Tucci's work that much? I am familiar with the name. He was. Really? Um, oh, no, you only saw one of the Hunger Game movies. Um, I'd have to take time to look through that through his IMDb to try to cherry pick something. But he's another one of those actors like Michael. I'm certain you've seen him in something and just didn't realize it yeah but um yeah oh speaking of which i didn't share this on our wall but i just remembered guess who went back to work uh this week i love this silence <laughs> no uh uh we talked about um a couple weeks ago which tom <laughs> hanks no i was bob bob odenkirk Finally went back to oh, work. He finally nice. went back to work on Better Call Saul this week, which was just I didn't share it on our wall because it was a TV show. But um, yeah, but no, honestly, good for him. Like that was one one good thing of news that happened like in the entertainment world. That's good. Yeah, it made me happy. And uh, um, I guess actually the last thing before we get to our trailer, I'm I swear to God I'm not padding this. I'm having a stream of consciousness right now. Venom got moved up to October first. Yeah, I heard about that, which I think has a lot to do with how well shang chi did or shang chi however you pronounce it there's no way that wasn't the main factor yeah <laughs> but shang chi made uh 90 92 million over the labor day weekend which is normally not a good movie weekend yeah which uh metaphorically just kicked the living tar out of uh out of black widow like black yeah. widow altogether made more money between streaming and whatnot but like yeah. This was only in theaters. Yeah. So, yeah, it made a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, COVID, relatively speaking, num yeah, numbers, but, but yeah, does that make you any more excited that we'll get Venom out of the way faster? Oh, crap. We got to watch that. We got to watch the first one. I'll double check what the, I, sw I swear to God, I it better be streaming for free by then. <laughs> Or which one of us is buying the Blu-ray of it and keeping it forever? Oh no, I will. Oh no, I, 
I will sign into my Amazon account and I will pay however much the rental fee is. I do not want to own this movie. I would rather pay for a rental. <laughs> Unless you were, are willing to bite the bullet. Then I'm, Apple TV in 4K for $3.99. Done. If you... Unless you... <laughs> Unless you willingly want to buy it, I will Venmo you four dollars for a four. No, man, I don't want to own that. I will Venmo you four dollars for a four K rental on Apple. Because <laughs> if we're if we're if we're gonna watch it, we're gonna watch it in four K. And I and you did the you did the rental for Pig. So pig. even though I ended up buying Pig for fourteen dollars anyway. <laughs> oink oink. Oh, and I'm definitely gonna buy the Green Knight when it's on. 4k next month um i'm just yeah if anybody cares <laughs> it's in Dol- it's in dolby vision it's got an atmos mix i just, yeah i i'm gonna own a like you said i want a physical copy of the green knight um anyway the last bit of news to wrap this up this relatively short news episode um we have a trailer reaction for the dumbest movie trailer ever roland emmerich has returned he hasn't had a movie since midway I'm assuming he made, well, this during COVID, because I don't believe this. I I didn't do my due diligence on it, though. But in the midst of COVID, the world is okay because Roland Emmerich is trying to destroy it. (laughs) The world is okay because Roland Emmerich is going to try and end the world. He's still making movies about the end of the world, so the world has not completely fallen apart. If Roland can still do that, go back to his roots. It is called Moonfall. And the tagline, I didn't even have to. It see is the, the dumbest tagline of all time. It sounds like uh, like a, Cor- a Roger Corman produced tagline. Like in 1969, we went to the moon. In 2022, it came to us. I didn't even need to see the trailer. If I just saw that on the poster, sold. I'm good. <laughs> I, I love how in the trailer and the poster, like the moon coming at the earth is like kind of red and orange too. And, and it's like, spinning. Yeah. <laughs> like a bowling ball. <laughs> this movie looks so stupid. Like I, I cannot <laughs> tell you how stupid this looks to me. Oh, and this is just a this, teaser trailer too. Like this, this wasn't even a real one. Well, just like the, like, Hey, we're going to have Roland Emmerich, the guy that has overstayed his welcome in terms of trying to destroy the world. He's going to try and destroy the world by having the moon hit it. You know, you could also just not. Well, he's done everything else. He's had global warming. He's had aliens. He's had biblical end times. Oh, I was about to say, uh, oh yeah, he, um, oh God, what was that? Um, uh, uh, how many, I'm spacing on all the twelve. Oh yeah, 2012. Yes, we did on the show. Um, I was about to say a giant meteorite, but that was Michael Bay in Armageddon. <laughs> uh, he had the aliens in Independence Day. Yeah, Independence Day. Jesus, I'm so maybe he I... had Godzilla. Yes, Godzilla. Thank you, thank you. You you know your you know your Roland Emmerich. Way yeah, I know my I know my garbage 90s disaster movie director. I think I'm starting to get tired too. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, this is this movie looks so stupid. Just so freaking stupid. Well, you you watched Patrick the, Wilson's in this. You watched the trailer while I was prepping this, and I watched this trailer a couple days ago. Who all was in the cast? Like Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson. I don't Wilson. remember. I just remember seeing Patrick Wilson, and I was like, what are you doing? It's Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, and then like... You were in Bone Tomahawk. So. There was a lot... <laughs> there was a lot of other people in this, too. It's a huge ensemble, which is typical for a Roland Emmerich movie. They usually have huge ensembles. Uh, I'll see it for the show. I'll gladly see this for the show. It comes out in February. I, it comes out in February. We're I'll, only like six months away. I'll go. I'll go see this 
I'll watch it, but I'm also fully expecting to be like, this is one of the worst movies that we've ever seen. Oh, I cannot wait to laugh my ass off while we're watching this movie. I really can't. I think it's going to be a blast. As long as it has Dick Best in it. <laughs> Dick Best. Returning from Midway. <laughs> we're midway through Dick Best. What? Uh, oh, oh. Ooh, getting scandalous! It's 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 brownie bites after it's brownies after dark. Yeah. <laughs> hey, real quick before we wrap up, um, this is actually coming out, um, on my one year wedding anniversary, so I want to give Kelsey. A no, ch- no, are you kidding me? Yeah. Um, oh, that's funny as hell. I did. I yeah. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> I've been married funny. to my wife for a year. I just want to say, babe, I love you. It's been an amazing time being married to you and just being around you, and you make me a better person. So. Yeah, since this comes out on our one-year wedding anniversary. Yeah, happy, happy anniversary. Thank you for making me best man. That weekend was amazing. That was a really fun weekend. It was a lot, a lot of fun, even in the midst of COVID being crazy. And and in the midst of the wedding planner taking a face dive during the rehearsal. Mm, And having to leave on a friggin' stretcher. Yeah, and then justin falling too even though we didn't technically i witnessed that we just heard it (laughs) what happened justin fell down what justin fell down god that was so that's god that's wild that that's been a year yeah what was crazier to me was uh whenever we because i think it was like two or maybe a month before we had the bachelor and bachelorette party what was crazier to me was uh seeing stuff on Facebook about how like those had come up for a year. And I was like, no, they haven't. I just, I'm sorry. I just realized that you were right. Your bullpen's about to blow this. Yeah. It was a ball by the way. That shouldn't, I wouldn't have like, I'd have appreciated getting that as a strike call, but I'm not going to be upset. That was a ball. He's so mad. They were our, dude. Our bullpen's trash. Like, I'm not kidding you. He's he, so mad. He had this in the bag if he pitched for one more yeah. inning. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he started the inning, and he was kind of losing it throughout the inning. I think he got one out, and then he had, like, one or two men on, and I think he had given up a run. I saw I <sighs> saw he God. gave up. I saw he gave up the run to make it 2-5. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Oh, uh, hey, you actually won. There we go. Yeah. Uh, One-year anniversary. Love you, dear. Let's go to the outro. All right, everybody, welcome. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. It 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 sounded robust. Nice pop for the week, (sighs) or pop for the episode. I don't don't know if you're gonna have a second one or not. (laughs) Just fall down the stairs. If you after recording tonight per segment by the end of the news, you'd be like, "Oh, the trailer was awesome." But yes, uh, we're here. It's our first review of the week. Nick, why are there micro machines in your puke? (laughs) I wanted to feel like Godzilla, okay? (laughs) So I ate tiny cars. (laughs) But that was your favorite car from Fast and Furious. (laughs) Dom was still in it. (laughs) By the way, I heard... uh, I think September 21st is when they're... I believe is when they're releasing the 4K of Fast 9. Oh, I, I I don't remember the day, but I meant to text you that it does have a director's and, cut. And you better believe it. I'm getting it in 4K on Blu-ray. 
you got I can. I looked I I because I'm a dork. I went to Blu-ray.com and I looked at the back because they have a photo of what the back says, mm-hmm. and um, it said the director's cut is like four or five minutes longer, but like that doesn't account for like incremental like edits like actual like re-edits and stuff like that so like i am actually curious what the director's cut like the differences are yeah even though because i don't know like i said i'm a dork i saw that we didn't see fast eights director's cut because it was only digital for god knows why but uh i don't know it seemed like it didn't need to be longer it seemed like there were like several differences in it like, I don't know if they were really notable for the story, but it seemed like there were a lot of differences when I saw a list of what they were. <laughs> Dom was played by Jackie Chan. Oh, there was a screen. Ugh, if I can find it later, I'll, I'll if I remember. Uh, there's a there's a scene that was cut where The Rock did another one of those ah, faces. I just... <laughs> I remember seeing that listed out for some reason. I don't but, need another one of those, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm perfectly content with the limited amount of times I've seen that. Yeah. Oh, oh, God, me too. I never need to see eight again. I never need to see a lot of those again. No, no I'm talking about the rock making that face. Oh, I <laughs> I had to explain to my girlfriend why I'm actually not the biggest fan of the rock anymore since we did that recap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, we're not talking about Fast and Furious yet. Well, when 10 comes out, we will. But this week, we're talking about another major franchise, Marvel. Uh, we have our second of four movies that we will be talking about this year. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And uh, please don't email me about how I pronounced that wrong. I know I did. Um, <laughs> not on purpose. I just I just don't know how to pronounce it right. But anyway, who created this movie? The Creatives and the Stars. It was directed by Dustin Daniel uh, Cretton. I'm sorry, sir, if that's not how you say your last name. But Nick, show connection, he directed Just Mercy that we watched before the pandemic started. The one with Michael B. Jordan. He's I know the... what movie you're talking about. Oh, I thought you would have more of an excited reaction. <laughs> no. I, uh, don't remember. I remember that I liked the movie a decent amount. I don't really remember much else about it, though. Uh, it had Jamie Foxx. I... Yeah, I, I got that. I'm, I'm just, just saying, saying like... all I remember, because I, I was kind of lukewarm to it. Uh, I think I liked it a little better than you did. Uh, a lot. <laughs> I oh. think I gave it like a half pan. I thought it was okay. I think I maybe I could look it up, but I don't want to. Um, anyway, the writers of this movie... David Callahan, Dustin Daniel Crichton, Andrew Lanham. Uh, they all wrote the screenplay for this based on Marvel characters. The stars of this movie, uh, Simu Liu. I really hope I... Just full, full disclosure, I will butcher all these names. I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, Simu Liu. Uh, he played Sean. Aquafina played Katie. Tony Lung played uh, the father. I am not going to try to pronounce that name. Uh, and then... Uh, Oh, I wanted to shout out uh, Michelle Yeoh. She showed up. She she shows up in the second half of the film, and uh, yes, those are the stars. Uh, I don't want to say the last person because it's kind of a surprise that they're in this, and I don't know why they're on the top build. Uh, but the last connection to another episode, Tony uh, Lung, uh, the dad in this movie, he was broken sword and hero. I know. I know. Hero was like three years ago. <laughs> Trying to remember who Broken Sword was. He was the one that was in love with Flying Snow. Like they they were having like that affair together before Jet okay, Li showed up. That's starting to sound familiar. Um, I can show you. I'm sure a picture of him as Broken Sword will come up here pretty fast. Um, but yeah, I know. I know he did Hero three years ago. So or just about three years ago. Um, that's not Broken Sword, but that's more or less like what he looks uh, okay. like. But yeah. He was when I when I looked that up and 
saw he was in Hero. I was like, oh, don't forget that because that movie's amazing. Anyway, <laughs> those are the creatives behind Shang-Chi and uh, Hot Takes before we get into the spoilers. Um, I feel like since we've watched this four days ago, I can be- now better articulate what I wanted to try to say in the parking lot, but was just failing at it. And I, and it boils down basically to an analogy where sex and pizza at the end of the day are still sex and pizza. You know, that analogy, even bad pizza is good pizza. Not that I'm saying this is a bad Marvel movie, but it has sex with pizza. (laughs) Not that I'm saying this is a bad Marvel movie at all. I'm actually giving this a good rating, but this formula that Marvel has boiled down to a science to make any of their movies, with the exception of Thor The Dark World, that movie's still terrible. Um, I don't know. It just it just works for me. And it was refreshing to see like a straight-up origin movie that only had so much of a bigger picture in mind until, obviously, the end, as all Marvel, all Marvel movies go. But for the, for the duration of the runtime until the post-credit scenes... I like that it felt focused on giving us more or less this tryout for the character to eventually go into the bigger universe. I I think it had a very interesting story. I like that the story was more about um, the family. Like I I really like that it was about fallout from things that happened with the family because of the father. I I thought that was a good through line for the story until problematic at the end, but. I mean, hey, Marvel doesn't really do the ending very well, but um, <laughs> but that aside, I can't say that my issues with the movie outweigh how much I like thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Like the action is done very, very well. The principal cast is awesome. I really love the principal cast in this movie a lot. Like, and we were talking about like how Marvel usually kind of bungles the villains. Like, what goes on with the father is really really interesting until we'll we'll discuss in spoilers what happens but um and then i have a problem with the surprise character that shows up because i hate that character and i wish he would just go away but um again all that aside i i can't lie and say i had a bad time watching shang chi i thought this was a pretty good marvel movie i'd rather watch this than doctor strange or captain marvel or black widow frankly uh if i in terms of rewatchability we always use that word a lot so on our rating scale, uh, one of the best films we've seen this year. This movie's so good. You are a pan of brownies covered in icing, sprinkles, all the fixings on top of it. Pretty good movie overall is a full pan of brownies. It's also 50-50 is a half pan of brownies. Pretty bad movie overall is a single brownie and a contender for one of the worst films we've seen this year is a movie so bad you are not even a brownie. You are a cookie full of raisins because you deserve that kind of punishment. Uh, I'm, I'm giving Chang-Chi a full pan. I think it's a very solid... If not great, I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to use the G word, but it's a very solid, very fun Marvel movie. And it was kind of nice to get an origin story that felt like when we first met Doctor Strange or Captain Marvel. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't about like the bigger infinity, whatever. So, I mean, that's my that's my hot take on it. We had very different reactions in this movie. Oh, I was in the theater with you. I know we did. (laughs) I. uh... I, I think our theater story will be interesting in the fact that it's just how we experience the movie sitting next to each other. Um, <laughs> I really, I don't like this movie that much. <laughs> um, I actually give it a single brownie. I found myself being tremendously bored. I, th- what I want to say is I think the action's really good. 
and that's it. That's it. <laughs> um, I I felt a lot of give them exposition. Oh crap, they're bored, falling asleep. Throw action at them to wake them up. Now that you're up, listen to all this exposition. Oh crap, they're falling asleep. Throw some action at them. Now that you're awake again, let me tell you about this thing. And I just felt it over and over in this movie. I um, you found nothing to connect to the characters with. No. <laughs> I I found this movie and it's really hard to say this without saying any spoilers. So if you feel like I'm being very servicey <laughs> I did not realize I had that burp. Say <laughs> so you look very concerned with that. Yeah, I, th- I thought it well what's funny is I burped as I was breathing in and I still <laughs> breathed in and then the burp came out and I was like that was a weird experience. <laughs> this is like a BC80 my, moment. My <laughs> My uh, my chest is expanding and my st- and my air is escaping at the exact same time. It's a really strange feel. Um, Isn't the human body wonderful? Yeah. <laughs> um, but in in this movie, um, I actually experienced something I've heard quite a bit about Marvel movies. Um, not necessarily uh, like uh, Infinity War or Endgame, but I the thing that I heard about a lot of Marvel movies was after a certain point, it felt like trying to set up the next movie continuously. And I felt a lot of this movie's trying to really set up a bunch of stuff moving forward. And it's like, we've had... we've It's, really, it's hard to figure... Because I don't remember the exact release order. Wasn't it supposed to be Falcon Winter Soldier, Black Widow, uh, WandaVision, then Loki, then this? I I can confirm Falcon was supposed to be first, but outside of that, you got me. I, I, I genuinely can't remember besides that. Because you're right, Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to be first. Yeah. But besides that, I have no idea. So I consider this like the like the first all right moving past like characters from Infinity War era whatever I don't know how to articulate that properly but like the first movie of Phase Four post having all the crazy stuff that was revealed in WandaVision and Loki that's what I meant um y- yes yeah I see I see what you're trying to say um but. It felt like they were really, really trying to set up um, stuff for the uh, the MCU by being like, this is the universe now, is what's in this movie. Um, again, this is really hard not to spoil. Yeah. With So no, when I've got to be real servicey. But, yeah, when we're in spoiler section, I have several follow-up questions. But... <laughs> I just, I found the action good. I found it to be a crap ton of explaining so many things. And I'm like, you can take more movies to develop this. Um, and frankly, like there were times, do you want okay. So do you want to do the explanation of like experiencing this movie together in spoiler zone? Because then we can say the specific moments of this happening. Cause yeah, there oh, are yeah, distinct yeah, yeah. moments where like, I was just, like, at one point, I leaned over to Dan. I was like, "This movie sucks." The, the did you say that verbatim? I said that verbatim to you at one point. Was, I remember this movie sucks. I remember you groaning and 
not getting up to take a break, but you got, I remember you groaned, went to the bathroom, came back, and I think you groaned again like five minutes after that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's funny is when I, when I, you told me when we were out in the parking lot, you're like, oh my God, is this like Blade Runner 2049 for him? And you kind of laughed it off. I was like, no, actually, yes. Dear God. That like, there were just some times where I'm like, I really don't care for any of this exposition. Can you maybe just have a movie be a movie? Um, and stop setting this up, but yeah, we had very uh, different experiences. <laughs> I, like I said, I'll, I, I will say this: the action's really good. I think the action was done very well. Yeah, Devin, I, De- Devin knows how to shoot action. I, I really don't care. Oh, so, so to finish my thought, um, but yeah, I've, I've heard it, especially in red letter media, but I don't know, I don't know how to phrase it properly. The, it's just set. It's just nothing but set up to move forward. So you can get to the other movie. That's nothing but set up to move forward. And this, I felt that a ton in this movie. Like this is the first movie I went, Oh, I know what they're referencing. Cause I'm feeling it right now. Like, I'm not saying they said that about this movie. I'm just saying like in other movies I've seen where they're like, it feels like set up the entire time I sat there and I was like, dude, at a certain point I got to where I got to the point where I was like, just, finish so i can see the post credit scenes mm. um let's go to spoiler zone i yeah zone, but like well or you said single brownie right uh single brownie i i really i know you're like a t this. or no you weren't t- no you're you, you, sorry when we were in the theater you just outright said brownie because you weren't even teetering on cookie no hell no absolutely this movie is too well made and too good to get that but i'm just saying from an enjoyability standpoint in this movie i can't give it a half pan i really did not like watching this movie that is fascinating to me that like you just i mean hold on spoilers we're in the spoiler zone now spoiler spoiler zone. Zone. okay here on now spoilers because i do i do have issues with this movie like i definitely was nowhere close to giving this movie sprinkles but like i said i i enjoyed it enough that i'm it's a solid full pan for me yeah. but that's just interesting to me though that like you felt this it felt like to you that it was just all set up where for me i didn't it, i didn't feel it will also it felt like a lot of rehashing stuff i've seen marvel do like the beginning of this movie oh you might be just bored of the formula yeah <laughs> really dude, really i was i was really tired of it of it like yeah the beginning of the movie where they're explaining that his dad has these gauntlets or rings or whatever the rings that yeah give him literally give him the power of the of gods and then make him invisible so i leaned over or not invisible in, invincible and live forever yeah. i leaned over to and i was like so he's a god yeah like that's what he is <laughs> when he wears those he's a god yeah um but yeah his dad's essentially a god and then his mom uh, is more of a human than the dad is kind of and then they fall in love together and then it's... he he gives up all his power so they can become a family and i was like oh i've seen guardians of the galaxy too oh i've seen a movie before yeah i, I yeah it like it was guardians of the galaxy like just they had it on screen i was like this is guardians of the galaxy yeah. too like there's so many times there's and this is going to be bad because that's the one I remember the most. But there's several times in this movie where I'm like, this is this other MCU movie. Well, there's a there's a thing that I heard a while ago where... And, like, to be honest with you, I am getting tired of the formula. 
Yeah. I, I'm getting t- I'm getting tired of the non-large staple movies formula. Yeah. Like when it's something big like Civil War or it's a, a more of an event movie, a temple. Yeah. yeah. When it's just a hey, this is just like one of our basic characters movie, I'm pretty tired of this formula. I'm really tired of this formula. See I for me, like part of, I guess this kind of can tie into the metaphor I was using before with another metaphor, or it's not a metaphor. <laughs> um, have you ever heard anyone say um, it's not the sizzle? It's it's not the steak. It's the sizzle. That's a that's a variation of what I'm trying to say. It's not the it's not the it's not what's on the plate. It's the presentation. Yeah. It's not the end result. It's the journey. Like it's basically like. Well- if it's like this is something that filmmakers run into constantly is like, yes, you can find another movie that's telling virtually like fundamentally the same story that you are trying to do. But how what you do to differentiate yourself, like whether it's and that's that's a whether, major, whatever presentation variation you make. That's the that's thing. a major problem for me in this movie, because like I said, there are just a crazy amount like you can follow it, maybe not to like a minute point. But you can follow the ebbs and flows of this movie of backstory, 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 action scene. Backstory, 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 action scene, backstory, backstory, action scene, backstory, Breaking down the writing of this movie. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're not wrong. And I'm not, and look, I'm not saying that like other movies don't do it. I'm just saying this movie is literally scenes of let us tell you about the world we're in. Okay, here's an action scene to perk you back up because we're just telling you a lot of stuff that's kind of boring. Okay, let's tell you more now that you're awake again. Like it just happens over and over again. Like I I will agree that it gets kind of egregious it, with, dude, with what you're describing. When, I only in the third act when they get to The third act the, the third act is where like I, I like I noticed it in this movie where I was like, "Okay, I'm noticing it." Then you get to the third act where it's like, "Dude, yeah dude you keep doing this that's 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 where like 90 percent of my problems are are in the third act because i will i will agree with you i think the third act is the worst part of the movie yeah it's again phenomenal choreography with the action in it but that's when i noticed when they were explaining the history of like the monster behind the gate and then some extra history about the world that the aunt's telling that the dad didn't know or like the kid didn't know from his mom like that's that well, that that exposition the, dump that the ant did. That's when I started like, OK, that exposition dump is 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 what is the most egregious one, because um, what did we call when they what was it called? Tallow to tallow tallow when they get the tallow. I'm pretty sure that's what it was called. Yeah, I leaned over to you and I was like, this is just a different version of Wakanda. Yeah, like you're doing a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie again, like. It, it feels like the exact same thing to me. And then she gets there and like, you remember how in black Panther, how they spend the whole movie, like explaining like the culture and history of the Panthers. And then it's his, he learns the history through his own self exploration. And then he learns why he doesn't totally agree with everything they've done. Yeah. That that's part of the conflict that the character is facing within the story. You get that in five minutes. Yeah. In this movie. Like, 
she's just like, we did this, and then there was this, and then there was this, and there was this monster, and then we did this, and I was trapped behind this wall, and you can't do this because he gets power when he eats souls. And we keep him locked behind this wall, but if he ever were to escape, we don't know if we could stop him again. Are you asleep yet? Let's show you Aquafina shooting bows and arrows. It's... I... What you're saying is not incorrect, and I... I'm trying to carefully phrase this. I'm not... Disapp- Maybe I'm disappointed, but not angry. Insert, like it doesn't insert the uh, meme, video clip meme. Disappointed. It's surprising. From Hercules. It's a. <laughs> it's surprising to me that the studio made Black Panther and did all that all the work and effort that they did for African American culture in that movie to now have. Um, asian culture with this movie and it just doesn't feel like they put the same kind of effort into it like it feels it i'm not feels, saying i wanted a black panther but at the it, same time it's kind of surprising that it kind of didn't happen really, like that really what they did in this like black panther like we just discussed it, it spends the whole movie like processing him coming to terms and understanding what his culture is what he agrees with what he disagrees with why like all that stuff yeah and in this movie it's just we're gonna give you a background story to everything but it's an asian culture it's like it's it's literally you're just talking at me it's this it's really the setting it never becomes the world it never becomes like a it doesn't it doesn't this like this world doesn't feel lived in yeah wakanda feels lived in it feels like it in its own way is a character like how you were saying las vegas didn't feel like a character in army of the dead Tao and to a bigger extent, just the fact that a lot of it's set in China. Did they go to Morocco? Is that where they went? They went to had that fighting ring. Uh, no, that was in China. That was in. No, wasn't it Morocco? No, it was in. Um, oh, I forgot. It was in China. I forgot what the city was called though. Um, it was a. It is a major city in China, but but like I was saying, like to a larger extent, whether it was Tao or just China itself, when they flew back to, to China. Uh, it just felt like a setting. It just felt like window dressing, like a backdrop. Like it never yeah. felt like lived in, like you were saying. Like it, it didn't feel like it just. It felt like it just happened to be set there because our lead actors are all Asian American. Like, like I can't believe I'm actually about to say this, but like Tokyo Drift. Yeah, Tokyo felt more like a character in that movie than yeah. China did in this one. Yeah, like. <laughs> like well, that's 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 the thing that's kind of frustrating about the way this movie tells its story is they're almost like we want it. We want you. Oh, I think feel, I just remember, sorry. I just I think I just remember what the city name was. We but, want uh, you to feel this Asian heritage. So we're learning about all this stuff in Asian countries, but at the exact same time, they're going there just to talk, and then a fight breaks out, and then rinse and repeat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel lived in. It doesn't feel like he explores his heritage or anything. It's just he shows up and people talk about stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel yeah. like he's experienced. It's, it doesn't feel like he grows or does anything really through experiences. Like, well, like well, what I'm getting at is he like. Does, he does have a little bit of a growth arc. What I'm getting at is like they, all his character growth is through flashbacks. He doesn't well, he, go and explore and do anything, like, experience anything and grow. It's all about, like, when I was younger, my mom died. 
And then my dad started training me to be an assassin so that I could kill the guy that was responsible for her death. Yeah. And here's them beating me with sticks. Here's me punching support beams in, in our uh, castle thing. And then um, now I'm me. It, he, Dude, I don't... like. All he does this, is rise to the occasion at the convenient moment when he needs to in the third act. Like, that's it. And, yeah. and, and then, all, like, I, but like I was getting at, his character development is by going... The person I am now is not who I was in this flashback, but by the end of this flashback, it leads you to to believe who I am. It's like, no, dude, you're not going out and doing anything and dry. It's not driving your growth. Your growth is driven by going, hey, Aquafina, when I was a kid, this happened. Like, there's no co- there's no cause and effect that causes growth. There's no, there's no he, actions that make him have to react and change. He doesn't react anything that causes growth for me. He just kind of is like, I'm this because this happened when I was nine. Okay. I I mean, I, I'm a little kinder to that. Like, I like that he essentially, like, yeah, he was trained to be an assassin by his dad, the, the leader of the Ten Rings. The dad is traumatized and him from both losing the wife and the mom. And when push comes to shove and he's supposed to kill the guy, he backs out. So now he completely regresses. The opposite way, like, is happy being just a chauffeur, like, a lazy bum around. Like, I can empathize with that. Like, when you're out on your own, you just want to bum around and just work work enough that you can, like, live the next day. But now that... But then when he gets pulled back in and realizes that he needs to stop doing that because he realizes the full extent of what his responsibilities actually are, and he wants to help his dad get out of his mindset of like going crazy since mom died. Like I can empathize with emotional growth that he went through. Like, no, it's not as, it's not as showy as like, or it's not as showy as like some other character growths we've seen in other movies. Like it is kind of like, okay, here in the script says you need to change and realize you're being a young, just a young adolescent idiot. Like, yeah, yeah. It just kind of happens because the movie says to, but it's sold well enough through his performance. Like I find, I found this actor's performance to be believable enough and I think what, charming enough. I think I think everyone is fine in the performances they give. I think the performances they were given to perform were bad. The the writing it wasn't written well. That's the writing. My, that's is, my main gripe with this movie is I don't like the writing. It's by Marvel standards because we've seen so many that are better than this. Like it's not, it, it is rudimentary. It's not sloppy. It's just like it's rudimentary. Yeah, it's like, dude, this is not polished. Uh, it's yeah, I, uh, yeah. When I say when I say polished, I mean like this is not past. Just we got to get this information out, so we're gonna get it out. It by comparison, it's not creative. By comparison, it definitely feels like a first draft compared to much better Marvel movies we've seen. Yeah. Um, and again, I I like this movie. <laughs> to, and that's the thing. It, it's going to sound like I'm crapping on this movie really, really hard. And r- really what it boils down to me is the writing really does not work for me. Is yeah. it, Which it took me like our, what, like 30 minute conversation after movie and then 30 minutes of this to really figure out it's the writing that I have a big problem with. Well, that's, that's the same thing with me, like being able to express now instead of immediately when the movie's over. The formula Marvel works with, like, this is rudimentary. Like, this is clearly, like, they put in, like, half the effort they would for, like, one of the tent poles. But this formula has worked so well 
we've gotten to 20 or we've gotten to 20 plus movies in t- 14 years now since 2008 it clearly works pretty damn well yeah. for the most part except Thor the dark world yeah. <laughs> um can we talk about the dad's plan um when he or sure. he thinks he thinks the mom is locked behind the wall in this village which that's so strange to me because i'm like you found her dead body on the ground and you buried her why do you think they have her behind this wall we could ju- we could just expound this furthermore we've hinted at it that the third act of this movie really is the weakest part of this movie like all my problems like, are here in the third his, act his plan just it doesn't make any sense where he's just like they're they've got her trapped behind this wall and i'm like you came home and found her dead like you found yeah. your son tending to her dead body he like it's it, okay here's one thing if like she got kidnapped and we were never able to find her again. And because she was gone so long, we assumed she was dead. You know what? Cool. I, I will I will believe it a little more he thinks she's still alive. Yeah. He came home to her dead body. Like, that's like... You you got per- you looked at the proof that she's dead. Well, something... Was it, wasn't it something about, like, her spirit was still alive in... Tell Maybe low. that's what it was. I don't know. I thought he meant like her literal body is being trapped I've... behind this wall in Tallow and she's telekinesis talking. Well, there's to that him. there's that part when he's explained to them why he wants to go to Tallow, like to find his mom to find the mom. I'm pretty sure he said something to the extent of like her spirit is there and like he can figure out to like bring her like physically to life after he finds her. I think maybe that's it. I don't know. I might've, we saw that. this movie four days ago. So cut us a little bit of slack or no, yeah. we saw it like five or six days ago, really. But also it's not, it's not something that they developed through a bunch of the movie because it, if that's the case, it was said one time, but cause the, he just kept, cause yeah. after, after, if that's, if that is said, he just keeps saying they have your mom, they have your mom, they have your mom. Yeah. They, dude, what, why do you think that just showing up here there, that her body's there, you buried her. That being part of his arc isn't, that being part of his story arc isn't really like, I kind of, I really like this more or less like anti-hero kind of way it turns out his character to be like he, cause he, he is presented as like the villain of the movie, like the cause of all the real conflict, but really, um, it's just kind of a sad anti-hero. Like you, it's really just a tragic figure really at the end of the day. And I really like Tony's performance. Um, and is just the arc that he goes through. I think his character arc is written very well personally. Um, what happens though is what happens in a lot of Marvel movies. And I, this is what I'm sick of is when they swap out an interesting villain for the bigger baddie in the blue beam or trying to get, through the blue beam or to the blue beam you don't like cthulhu instead of instead of this being the blue beam it's the monsters behind the wall cthulhu it's it's cthulhu yeah no it's (laughs) i hate it i'm i this i am sick of i'm sick of every superhero movie ending with the with dude with literally this like Yes, I, I'm a hip- yes, I'm a hypocrite. I thought Suicide Squad was one of the best films of the year, and it ends with a giant starfish. Dude. Like, call me a hypocrite. In this case, th- I could have done without that. Like, if it was Dude. just a big battle without that I, dragon. I told you when this movie was over, I looked at you, and I was like, I didn't feel a thing during the climax. Oh, yeah, no. And you're, and you're not wrong. We knew all the heroes were going to live. We knew 
some uh, Deus Ex Machina was going to come in in this form. It was a dragon fighting the other dragon thing. Dude, um, I'm not kidding you. Like, literally, like, just sat there and was like, it's happening. Like, yeah, I didn't feel adrenaline. I didn't feel excitement. I didn't feel a ur- sense of urgency. I didn't feel dread. I literally was just like, yeah, just come on. Like, actually, you know what I felt? Hurry up and get it over with. Yeah. Starting to watch the, I pop my toes. <laughs> oh, and say that's not something I should feel while watching your movie. Is hurry up and get it over with. It was because it, like there's, there's I, I could that, feel like, I was seeing a, something there's, before. I've there's seen. a specific shot that I think is the biggest epitome of my experience at the end of this movie when they're on the dragon after they after like it hurts Cthulhu somehow or something and they're like walking towards its head. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was just watching that shot, and I was just like, "This is completely unbelievable that they'd be able to walk normally on the dragon as it's flipping and flying around and stuff." Yeah, and they're walking like it's just like a jaunt through the park, and I was like, "Just do whatever you gotta do. Just, just do it. I at this point, just do what you gotta do so I can just be done." Yeah, because I cause, like, I I didn't I I wasn't loving this movie, and then the third act starts, and it's like. I really like I'll give it to you this way. I probably would have been leaning towards a half pan until the third act happened. And I was like, this is a single brownie hardcore. Like the third act is why I'm not sprinkles. I I think I'm not necessarily saying it dropped at a full rating, but I think had the third act just been better than it was. There was a shot at this getting a half pan. There was a shot. It wasn't it wasn't a surefire guarantee. Yeah. But I'll tell you this. After the third act, bona fide single brownie, I'm done. Like I did not love this. I did not give this a higher rating because of the third act. Oh, I will I will I will say that, but from sprinkles to full pay on the third act, like it's and it's not just because of how familiar and recycled it felt. Like not strictly that. Like that definitely was a factor. But Again, it was the presentation. The action looked really good. I actually cared about the. We fo- saw we saw this in a Dolby room, right? Yeah. the The sound was good. Yeah, and I like that the. Oh, we do have a theater experience. Yeah, let me. We'll get there. I forgot I, about that until now. Yes, I I, I didn't. <laughs> but no, I I like that it, at the at the center of the story, the conflict was always still, even when they're fighting the dragons, the father and the son. I like that that was still the center of the conflict. I, um, again, the action looked fantastic. And, um, yeah, it was a little familiar, but, like, it didn't ever fully lose me. The only thing in the third act that, like, really, like, made me mad was the fact that Ben Kingsley showed up. Yeah, well, that's, what's really weird is when he first showed up, like, our audience actually cheered. Oh, I groaned. And- I I, I I didn't I didn't cheer I didn't groan I was kind of like oh cool he's back like you know what I I'm I'm kind of willing to see them play with him because like the the scene where they get meta where the dad's like yeah this guy based himself off me and he said he was the Mandarin or something he's named after an orange and he really just like that kind of belitt- belittled belittled what I am and what I stand for and what I do. And then he shows up and I was like, oh, that's just funny. Like, I didn't need him to necessarily be like a tag along. Like, he didn't need to be Jeff Goldblum from Ragnarok. This movie literally didn't need him. Yeah. It it, it really didn't. 
like the like as soon as they broke him out and they were like driving to Talo with him, I was like, okay, he's kind of overstaying his welcome with me. I'd be totally fine if he just wasn't in this anymore. Well, like, after the maze, he kind of wasn't. Yeah, because he plays like the only thing I remember was like he plays dead during the final battle. But like, yeah. So fortunately, I, he stopped there. <laughs> I yeah, I just I'm with you. He doesn't need to be in the MC. I, what I really think it was is I think there is a lot of regret within Marvel over what happened in Iron Man three. There should be a lot of regret over Iron Man three in general. <laughs> I, like I'm, I'm being, I've not, I've not researched this. I I can't confirm yeah. the statements. I'm just saying. I've only seen that movie one time. Yeah, and. I remember having warnings of there is a twist that will make or break this movie for you. And when it happened, I'm not saying what it is. When it happened, I stared at the chair in front of me for five minutes, trying to convince myself they're going to, they're going to like, that's a fake out. Like they're going to undo that. That's not real. And then I was like, Nope. And then, and and then I was like, and I was like, no, I got that warning. Like there is a, there is a twist to it. And there's that there's there's a lot of stuff in Iron Man three that happens that I feel like they don't really further develop with Tony Stark's character in like further movies. It That was still or no, was phase two Iron Man three. Uh, it was around it was around Civil War. OK, was, the first yeah. two Iron Man movies were both first phase movies. I th- yeah, I think you're right, because phase one ended with. No, uh, it wasn't. Was it the Avengers or was it the movie after it? It's. It was okay. Let me put it this way. I thought Phase One ended. Phase One ended with Ant Man, didn't it? I don't know. What just what <laughs> I'm getting at is, I remember they released Iron Man One and Two, and then the Avengers came out. Yeah, that's right. Iron Man because Iron was Man after. Two came yeah. out while we were in high school because I bought the Blu-ray for it while we were in high school. Yeah, no, because that was right after I got my PS3. It was my first Blu-ray player, and that was one of the fir- that was like the first Blu-ray I bought. Uh, you broke your Blu-ray player's virginity with that one. <laughs> I don't hate that movie as much as you do. Oh yeah, or, oh, yeah. I'm, not sa- I'm not saying it's been, amazing. We've been over this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's amazing. I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm just saying I, I, you're harder on that movie than I am. I'm harder on. Okay, I, if I haven't said it on Mike before, I'm harder on all three Iron Man movies than most of the general public. But, <laughs> um, Iron Man three, if it was not Phase two, super early Phase three. Yeah. But yeah. just so they they have Ben Kingsley in this movie and he like he just like I, I feel like that was an attempt to make up for essentially wasting him in Iron Man 3 because frankly he was good in Iron Man 3 until the moment that ruined the movie. Yeah, but and, and the, the, the dad if it just ended with the dad saying, though, yeah, there was someone pretending to be me. And then that's the end of Ben Kingsley, and we never see him again. Word, perfect. That'd be a great way to acknowledge that that did happen. But hey, or reveal, we screwed or up. revealing that they kidnapped him in this movie as a post-credit scene, like that would have been okay. No, that'd the, be cool too. Another yeah. another scene that I like when we were watching the theater, I was like, "This is a post-credit scene. Why is this in the actual movie?" Uh, that fine final dinner table scene. The the um, oh. Yeah, when uh, when Wong shows what, up. Yeah, when Wong shows up, that's a post-credit scene. Why was that in the movie? Well, that that was the last shot of the movie, right? Yeah, that's a post-credits teaser. But then we got the real post-credits teaser, which 
Do you want to? I was gonna say, do you want to just start talking about the post credit scenes now? Uh, yeah. You have you have a problem with the first one. I have a problem with the second one. My problem with the first one is just because I hate Brie Larson. Which it's, I don't like. Here's the thing. I don't like her. Yeah, that's my pants. Oh, I was like, what the hell? I have out? Velcro on my shorts. Judge me. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, but I, I. We don't have. She she shows up in this scene, and I just went boo. Yeah, no, listeners, he's not kidding. He literally yelled boo in the theater, which I thought someone was going to like say something back to us. And I was I literally went through this whole thing in my head of just like, oh, God, someone's going to talk to us again. Again, I just I don't like how smug I think she comes across interacting. Um, But th- is that the is that the first post credit scene or is that the second one? That's the first one, because the second one I have a problem with, because. We haven't talked at all about the sister in like the 40 minutes we've been talking about this already. But, okay, so really quick. Basically, Shang-Chi, Brie Larson, some other guy, like there's Mark people, Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Like they're talking. I don't remember what they're talking about. It's uh, here's what they're talking about. Welcome to the Avengers. Things are going to get crazy. That's it. Okay. Literally, that's it. <laughs> okay. So let's go to the thing. The the next scene with the sister oh i'll explain this one because you're not wrong it's just i did not think that she developed as strongly in this direction as you did yeah so what the way i interpreted the way that her arc went through the sister 40 minutes in we're finally talking about her she basically is running this underground fighting ring because that's what she ended up doing because it was something that she made herself no one one talks about it because it's a fight club yeah, and she made it herself without the dad also, or her brother. That's the shot where we see Wong fighting what everyone thought was uh, abomination. Abomination, and it turns out it wasn't. It was like a fish that kind of looked like him, yeah. sort of. But uh, but anyway, she she hates the brother because he ran away, and uh, she wanted to do something without her without daddy watching over her. So she made an underground fight club. So throughout the rest of the movie, we slowly see her pulling back the layers of hatred and resentment towards the brother and the father. I thought, word, they're all going to kiss and make up, even though the dad sacrificed himself. She at least gets to kiss and make up with the brother. Nope. Just kidding. In the post credit scene, the second one, she just slides right into daddy's shoes and becomes the new head of the 10 rings. And it says the 10 rings will be back. What the hell was that? Like, <laughs> that made me so Dan, Dan literally just goes, you just leans over to me when this is scenes over and goes, they just undid every second of her development. And I was like, I I just took it as she was she learned to forgive her family. But But now I, she wants to run the evil organization. Yeah. Okay. She didn't become a better person at all. <laughs> she, yeah. she just wants to do what her dad did, which was bad, but better. Like what's like I, I don't know. At least it came off to me like she was actually like becoming less of a cold hearted person. And then, nah, I'm just going to be the new villain now. What? <laughs> Where the hell did this come from? I, 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 I was I, baffled. I felt like she was more of like an anti-hero through the movie. So I feel like I can accept it a little better than you. But I'm also, at the same time, you're not wrong. Like they Everything dev- with her in the movie was about getting over how much she hated her brother and her dad. Yeah. <laughs> and then she just she becomes the, the imp- new head of the Ten Rings. She learned the importance of family. Yeah. And then, I guess taking over the family business, even though the family business is being evil counts in this writer's eyes, dude, I, I guess, you know? Okay. So another stupid thing in this movie, um, is, uh, so they have that really big bus chase. 
best part of the movie best part of the movie maybe maybe I, here's the thing there might be another scene but what i'm getting at is like they mm. have that big bus bus chase right yeah okay so they're just people that park cars they're just valets yeah how do they get out of the country they took a cab and bought their tickets on why weren't the like... police looking for them why didn't the police take them in for questioning has that ever happened in any movie with things like this before? I don't know. Like, like it meant, well, like stuff like Iron Man and Batman, it makes sense. Like he charters, yeah. he charters his own private plane or does like, does it? No, this guy could maybe afford like to pay like his rent this week. Like, which was a garage, by the way. Do you notice one of his walls was literally a garage door? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I feel I feel bad not really complimenting this movie on much, but like the action's good. That's yeah, all should. I really can say is the action's good. Yeah, I think the story I think the story's generic and has has a lot of elements that have already been done. I think that the storytelling is very generic and that they just vomit information to you. And then when you start to fall asleep, they have an action scene to wake your ass up so you can listen to them vomit more information. But don't worry, when you get tired, another action scene and just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And then the the third act Mm. is like, really, this this is the Marvel movie where I went, you know what? I get why people are getting tired of these. Like, I'm starting to see the patterns that people are complaining about in these movies. And, hey, that happens. I mean, that happens sometimes. I, yeah, you're not wrong. You can, if you squint hard enough, which, frankly, you don't have to, you can see literally things that have been done in every other Marvel movie done to various degrees of better in other ones. Yeah. But I, I mean, like I said, like, at the end of the day, sex, pizza, and Marvel movies there's still sex pizza and Marvel I, movies. And it takes a lot for me to not like one of these movies at this rate. Like just frankly, I still, I still like Monty's review where he started reviewing stuff using our grading system. If, if you're watching movies, Oh my God, we went you. almost an hour without mention, mentioning yeah. that. <laughs> if Check it out. Cause we shared it on social media. If you yeah. guys, um, if you guys are reviewing, like going and seeing movies, we want to hear from you what you guys think about it too. Cause it's just uh, like two assholes talking. So if you guys chime in, it's, two assholes plus other people um <laughs> but uh more the merrier <laughs> monty uh, gave this a three-quarter pan he he's he will let him pass because it's his first review um <laughs> how many years ago didn't we retire well that's been retired for like almost two years now <laughs> yeah so um uh, we have not yet addressed nice throw we have not yet addressed our theater experience. Yes, that's a perfect way to close this before the Nick Cage question. Yeah. Do you want me to talk about it or do you want to talk about it? Because you can probably explain what went on better than I can. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, I I thought you were going to take the reins on it. Um, I, I know how to explain it stupidly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so basically what happened, we saw this in a Dolby room like we did with Old and Candyman. We saw this in the same theater that we saw Candyman in. Yeah. Um, but what happened is um, Dolby Room projectors are two projectors. They basically shoot the same image in the exact same spot uh, in order to achieve the proper range of color depth that um, you get with like a Dolby Vision television. Because, I mean, semantics of that or whatever. But basically they use two projectors to get the proper image and 
what you'd say like maybe 15 minutes of shang chi left yeah we're we're really close like the final battle has ended yeah we're we just finished the final battle and one of the projectors failed it went it, very it went very bright green and then off and the yeah. and the rest of the picture was and, notably darker and me and dan both just looked at each other and then turned around and looked at the projection room because i was like i think one of the projectors just gave out yeah i could see that only one be- i could i could see the gap where the second beam was supposed to be coming from <laughs> the only other time that's happened to me was um because i've been in other dolby rooms where the projectors are slightly out of sync and they just have to like push one or the other like a centimeter to the side but the only other time i've seen a projector outright fail was during hobbs and shaw and i was still living in long island did it do the green thing it didn't do the green thing it just boop just went off (laughs) that makes me think like a bulb or something burned out like in hobbs and shaw that's probably what happened well what just what i'm gonna like it wouldn't have got it wouldn't have gone green like something something technical happened with that projector for it to go green and then that's what i was getting at is like it was so weird that it's not that it just shut off it it went weird and then shut off yeah that's not a mechanical that's not mechanical like the light went off something something within like the computer the the computing capabilities of that projector just gave out which is funny that like (laughs) this movie was like two hours and ten minutes and it gave out like barely two hours in like we had none of this movie left <laughs> yeah did you uh one last thing before we get to Nicolas cage wong shows up quite a bit in this yes um well quite a bit's a stretch he shows up in like two scenes um what do you think about because they show him in the spider-man uh no way home trailer yeah do you think that he's going to transition into working with Shang-Chi more than he is Doctor Strange? Or do you think Shang-Chi is going to have a closer relation with Doctor Strange? I think I think he is going to I think he's going to I think he will have a relationship with Shang-Chi and then if Pooh's really hitting the fan, Doctor Strange can come in and help. I don't think it's going to be Shang-Chi really teaming up with Strange. I think it's like Wong teaming up with Shang-Chi. If that answered your question. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't th- I don't think I don't think we're going to get a Shang Strange team up anytime soon. Do <laughs> Unless he then, unless he's in Multiverse of Madness. And then one last thing cuz we haven't really mentioned uh her that much. Uh Aquafina. Oh, that's the question. Yeah. <laughs> I dig her in this. I think I she, didn't think she was bad. I thought she was I, I mean, I generally like Aquafina. Um, I've she, not been exposed to her that much because I've not seen her Comedy Central show or Crazy Rich Asians. Or The Farewell, because I did a solo review of The Farewell two years ago. But I know, like, we, I saw stuff a couple of our listeners posted on their, uh, that I'm friends with, that posted on their personal page when this trailer came out, that they are not fans of her. And the thing that I've heard from the internet is that she a lot of people kind of view her like i view kamel najiani <laughs> and i will say i was kind of lukewarm to her throughout the movie i didn't love her i didn't hate her if you don't like her you're pr- if you don't like her i don't think this movie's really going to redeem her much for you that's not going to hurt you though yeah Please. it's one of it's one of those ones where i'm like i don't think it's going to make you hate her more but i don't think you're going to get like she's not going to get redeemed to you either it's not going to make you want to turn on Nora from queens yeah Yeah. Nora from queens is the show i was referencing yeah um i don't know i 
shameless bonus recommendation. If you haven't seen her in The Farewell, this is a very dramatic performance. This, the Farewell is, like, not funny at all, except a couple parts. But she is she is tremendous in The Farewell. I think I said it on mic two years ago that I thought she should have gotten the at least a nomination for Best Actress for The Farewell. Because, I mean, goddamn. Like, I know she's a comedian, but she really hit a home run with that movie. Yeah. And it's a, it's a drama. Like, it's a... But no, I've I've honestly like I don't know her that well like comedy wise. I've never seen Nora from Queens. I've just loved her since I saw The Farewell. Yeah. Like really. <laughs> but so, no, I I thought she was good in this. So to wrap up the casting stuff, who would you cast Nick Cage to be in this movie and why? I think Nick Cage would have been really good as um ringleader, master of ceremonies, whatever you want to call him. The guy who was running the Fight Club um the guy that was in the movie, though, um, is a correspondent on The Daily Show. I don't remember his name, but I know he's a Daily Show guy. But honestly, I think Nick Cage running the fight ring as that character would have been really funny. Knife arm guy. Knife arm guy. Oh, oh, we didn't even spend a second talking about how stupid he was. <laughs> really stupid. <laughs> is there anything that needs to be said other than that was another knock against this movie? Uh, how terrible he was. Knife arm guy. <laughs> he would end up having like three lines in this movie then. Yeah. <laughs> but Nick Cage with a knife arm. Yeah. I dig it. He'd probably that that character's so stupid in this movie, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a deleted scene of him wiping using the knife hand and then screaming in pain when he stabbed himself in the butthole. He's Yeah, I mean we don't have to waste any a lot of time with him, but no. It, Marvel has a bad track record of like making villains or like secondary sidekick villains remotely interesting. Yeah. This doesn't help their case at all. He was really yeah. bad. Yeah. <laughs> cool design. Just, they didn't write. I did. I did like at the end when he like breaks off his arm and then breaks off the knife arm and then just puts like a knife made of dragon scales because that's the key to beating those monsters is you just have to have dragon scale on and then carry armor. and then carrying another sword of it in his yeah. own hand like that was i did like shang chi actually fighting i don't know the correct word so i'm not trying to be disrespectful and i'm not trying to oversimplify but when he fights with the stick um with the stick with the stick what do you it, it it looks it's like the length of like a walking stick and he like fights with it like this oh i can't i don't know what it's called i i, I don't i know what you're talking about now and i don't either the staff i guess but like i i actually yeah. thought that was really cool to see like you normally don't see people use a fighting style like that in movies so that was neat well yeah um, and I, I will get i will give the movie that compliment we're not i mean neither of us are martial arts experts at all we should have morgan on it's <laughs> It's the the sequences themselves were really really cre really creative and it seemed like they actually took those like choreographing those techniques seriously. I wish I I don't have it in front of me if they had like a specifically martial arts uh, uh, consultant. But so funny story real quick, and uh, continuing the trend of this is not important. The guy batting for the Cardinals, Tyler O'Neill. Um, I met him at winter. I think the last winter warm up that they had that was in person, and. I don't think I'd ever heard him talk. His dad, uh, he's from Canada, and his dad was Mr. Canada. So bodybuilding oh. runs in their family. Oh, that's cool. And I met him, and I said something to him, and he was like, yeah, man, thanks. That was really cool. And his voice was so deep. Like, I wanted to say something else to him, and his voice was so deep and threw me off so much. I, I literally was just like, 
I was like, oh, okay. Please don't hurt me. Go to the outro. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to our second review. That's a good pop. That one, I like that better than the first one. The other one was a little fast. Yeah, that one was a nice, like, that perfect, like... ASMR. Like, if you heard... Yeah, if you had a stock audio of a can pop, there you go. That's what it sounded like. Mm. But yes, we are here for our second review of the week. It is a trip into the time machine for... 2015's bone tomahawk uh the creatives behind this movie it is written and directed by s craig zoller i i know i said that name wrong when we watched it not craig s zoller it's s craig zoller and this film stars kurt russell patrick wilson matthew fox who you all might remember from abc's lost and rich i don't never watched it hey do you remember this is important do you remember when we were in middle school there was this one kid, blonde hair, wore Hollister shirts all the time, real skinny kid. Um, look at me mouth his name. I couldn't. Is your phone on airplane mode? No. I was just on IMDb. It's not. No, no, no. It's No, it's the, the kid we went to school with. Yeah. Um, but anyway, keep describing this... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he used to watch Lost all the time, and me and my friends used to tell him it sucked constantly, and he would get really worked up, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> Even though you never watched it. <laughs> I didn't. I never watched a second of that show, but... I, I only watched the pilot episode. That's all That's all I could get into. Yeah. Like, I was just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, yeah, anyway, Matthew Fox, um, as well as uh, Richard Jenkins, and then there's a uh, cool little surprise uh, sort of cameos uh, by David Arquette and Fred... Uh, Malamend and Sid Haig, R.I.P. Sid Haig. Uh, in this movie and... Oh, spoiler. Uh, <laughs> in this movie and in real life. Yes. Um, he passed pretty recently, didn't he? He passed this year, right? Um, 2019, just before the pandemic. Mm. September 21st, 2019. Yeah. Mm. So, oh, wow. Actually, almost like two years ago exactly, almost. Um, well, even closer to when listeners are actually listening to this, yeah. but yeah, almost exactly two years ago, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, um, those are your creatives behind this movie. Um, by the way, I told you, you would recognize Richard Jenkins. I was just, I, for some reason, when I told you he was in this movie, I forgot that he was in Step Brothers. Otherwise I, you would have clicked immediately. Yeah, cause I, I, was, <laughs> I just, it's really funny cause I was sitting there and I was like, he kept showing up on screen. I was like, I recognize that voice. And I kind of recognized the face, and it took me—it took me a solid like twenty-five minutes of this movie to be like, "Is that the dad from Step Brothers?" If it, although it would have clicked faster if he would shut up, Dale. <laughs> um, but or no, so, I or, or if he would have uh, witnessed someone singing "Brendan Has a Mangina." Yeah. <laughs> Boats and hoes. <laughs> that needs to, that needs to be a time machine. I have a funny story about the first time I saw that movie. I love Step Brothers so much that's that, it's easily my favorite Will Ferrell movie it's so funny 
I really like it. The one complaint, this again, this is not important. My one complaint about it is there are times where it feels long. I I can wa- I could watch that movie every day. I, I and here's <laughs> and here's the thing. I'll give that movie sprinkles. Like th- this kind of reason. I love that movie, but there are just like random times where I'm like, it's been where a the, little bit since you made me laugh. Where the pace kind of slows down a little. Yeah. Where they're like, let's ha- let's develop the story. No, funny jokes. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tea bag a drum set. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway. Um. Hot takes. Definitely brain farted there. I've seen this movie twice now. Um. So I mean, I I my hot takes pretty quick, but I want to open the floor to you as I always do with Thursday reviews because you've never seen this movie before. This is your first exposure to S. Craig Zoller at all, and I just. It was a pleasure for me to watch you watch this because now you and my girlfriend are the only two people, not that have heard, I've met people that have heard of it, but I haven't seen it. But like in terms of have seen this movie, it's literally you two. I have no one else to talk about this movie with. So Dude. let the listeners know what kind of an experience this was for you because it was a joy for me watching you have fun with this. I shouted oh, f- several times in this movie. Um, <laughs> it's hands down, like not in terms of Westerns. In terms of movies, one of the most brutal movies I've ever seen in my life. And this is this is after us having seen Killer Joe, and um, oh, I can't think of another really brutal. I can't think of another one offhand. Or anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, we even talk about like the brutality in this movie. Like one of the reasons it works, it's not like theatrical. Like, it's not, oh, my God, look at the blood flow. It's very matter-of-fact. Look at the blood squirt. Look at the romance. No, this is, like, I remember several times just leaning over. I was like, I really feel like we just watched a man be clubbed in the head with a jawbone from an animal. A bone tomahawk. Let's stay with yeah. it. <laughs> but, like, but like there's, a, there's a scene where they cut off a guy's hand, and it's it literally is just, like, fighting, and then they're just like, there's his arm. His hand's off. All right, we're going to go back to this. It was like. You don't, like, it doesn't give you, like, time to, like, glorify, like, it doesn't allow itself to glorify the violence or the blood. It's kind of just like, yeah, this is just, like, really hard to watch. It give, it barely gives you, let alone the characters, time to process that, like, they've just been mortally wounded. <laughs> or, hey, that guy got cut in the half from the taint to the head. Yeah. If we ever watch any other S. Craig Zoller films... It's the same violence. It's the same level of violence in all his other. Well, it, all his other, his two other movies. It feels like a <laughs> snuff film. It's well, like it wasn't even like when someone got killed. One of the most shocking acts of violence to me was when that rock, like, split that one character's head open, and it was a millisecond that like he's walking, boom, he's got a giant hole in his head. Like, yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, I I thoroughly love this movie. I really liked it. Um, I I know that we talked the three of us because uh, my wife went out to uh, do something. She didn't really want to watch this movie. And uh, honey, good call. You'd hate it. Um, I was gonna say, I was gonna say this is not a movie that strikes me as a Kelsey movie. Nope, at all. <laughs> no. Um, but uh, me, you, and Joan watched it, and then we had to watch a thumb movie afterward to lift up our spirits. Yeah, and dude. apparently you like this thumb movie way better than the first one. The Blair Witch one is much better than the Titanic one. Why, uh, my, my, my ankle hurts. Oh, my shoes untied. Somebody stinks. I think it's me. 
I'm holding it in, but I gotta go sooner or later. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't a shark. What do you mean it wasn't a shark? I still my favorite my, my favorite moment in the movie is when Vic is just like, "We're so totally dead." Oh! <laughs> and he just like holds his mouth open and shakes yeah. and then screams. If no, if if listeners don't remember or didn't listen to us last week, this is. By the way, this will be this. Dan's reactions to these two movies has been so stark and like polar opposite and very reactionary. These will be time machines. It's more of I like I actually probably we've got a we had an opening and I probably would have picked it for this week, except me and Dan aren't really going to be able to see each other that much in order to watch them. Yeah. And plus the six of them will be three hours worth of movies. I was they're all half an hour long. So. It's got to wait a little bit, but they will be a time machine pick. Is just all the thumbs movies. I was gonna say, here's a pitch, because we want to bring lists back into brownie bites. What if an entire brownie bites was dedicated to ranking the six thumb movies? I'd be down for that. That's just an idea. Yeah, but... I'd be down for that because it's <laughs> they're parody movies. I'd actually, I don't think we, I don't know if we would be able to go a whole hour on all six of them because. You're going to react the two ways you've reacted. I don't think there <laughs> I, I I don't think there's going to be one where you're like, "You know what? It's it's pretty good, but I don't love it or it's pretty bad, but there's like this redeeming thing in it." I think it's going to be, "Oh my god, this is really this is pretty funny or this is the stupidest thing I've ever watched in my life." Definitely the latter for Titanic. Yeah, definitely the latter for Titanic. Blair Witch mate Okay, I wouldn't say Blair Witch was that funny, but Blair Witch was funnier. You laughed a lot more. I it's kind of hard to kind of hard to not laugh more when Titanic. I think I laughed twice. <laughs> you movie people, do you know Ned Beatty? I do love me Ned Beatty. That was that He's was good. That was probably the best joke in that episode. It's, it's oh, Jish so is the best part of that movie. I uh, yes, you have an affinity for Jish. 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 <laughs> His license. <laughs> so glad it's not me. But I mean, it sucks for him. What if Bush comes to shove? I'm so glad it's him, not me. Maybe he's okay. What? <laughs> Maybe he's okay. What part of him looks okay to you? It's just his legs. He's half a body guy. That's that's like the top of the list of things he's not. A woman and okay. Speak and a full body guy. Speaking of that, wasn't the first thing I said when we were done with that was how on earth have we not literally taken the time machine to talk about a cultural milestone like the Blair Witch Project in a while? <laughs> and then we discussed what it was like the first time I saw it. Yeah. Anyway, Bone Tomahawk. Um, yes, the not the not funny movie. <laughs> so at our uh, rankings system, uh, one of the worst movies that we can possibly see f- uh, for the year for the show ever in existence uh, is a uh, raisin cookie. Pretty bad movie with something redeemable is a single brownie. 50-50 so-so movie is a half pan. Pretty good movie, but it's not quite the best thing as a full pan. And a perfect movie, one of the best things that we can possibly see is a full pan of brownies with sprinkles. I get the sprinkles. This was awesome. This was definitely worth. So uh, I've I've mentioned it before. Yeah. How long was this sitting on your DVD shelf? <laughs> About a year. Um, so it was it was a little less than a year. So the story of what happened with this movie uh, with me is we last year we did the three 
uh, or the trilogy, the Man with No Name trilogy. Yeah. I got that as a birthday present for my parents. We watched all three in a row. Um, loved it. And Excellent me and, trilogy. And Dan yeah. recommended. I don't even know if it was on mic. It might have been like us talking. He recommended like, "Hey, get Bone Tomahawk. That's the, that's a western I've seen that I really like. It might be my favorite. I don't know." Um, and so I was at Menards a couple weeks later, so, like I think sometime in November, trying to save big money at Menards. It might have been actually. It might have been Christmas time. I don't know. I was at Menards getting a card for something because if you guys don't know. Not only do they have fantastic deals with their rebates, their cards are really funny. So I'm looking there, and then uh, actually, you know what I think it was? I think I was buying paint supplies for that helmet lamp you gave me. Oh, that would that makes sense. Maybe. Um, but I'm, I just stopped by the movies, and I looked through there, and I was like, you know, they always have like just random movies for like eight bucks. I'll see what they got for Blu-rays. And they had Bone Tomahawk for $8 on Blu-ray. And I was like, either Dan or my dad really recommended I see this movie. Eight bucks. It's only three It's only three bucks more to probably buy just the digital copy of it somewhere. So I'll pay three bucks more just to have the disc. So I bought it and then just never watched it until last weekend. That's like me with... I did open it. I took the saran wrap off when I got home. But Oh, yeah. That's fine. I uh, That's like me with... Um... That's like me with Heaven's Gate and the Godfather Coda, because I'm deliberately saving them to watch with you. By, so by they the both way, have been collecting dust. <laughs> by the way, we do need to do the Godfather movies sometime soon. Yes. We, it was actually going to be next week's Time Machine had I had more time. And Heaven's Gate, but it's the same problem of, well, with Heaven's Gate, it's even longer because Heaven's Gate is like three and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, Heaven's, Heaven's Gate kind of killed directors getting to do just whatever they want all the time. Heaven's Gate almost killed a studio. It almost bankrupt a studio. <laughs> Heaven's Gate almost killed movies. Yeah. <laughs> Just the medium. <laughs> um, but no, anyway, uh, my hot take on this. Um, I mean, I'm right there with you. It's it's sprinkles. This movie's this movie's pretty incredible. Just by movie standards, and especially Westerns. Like, this is one of the best Westerns I've ever seen. And <laughs> best it, Western. I, <laughs> I've seen... Um, I've followed... Es- Craig, uh, since this movie, I've seen he's only made three total movies, but I've, I've seen them all. Um, Brawl in Cell Block 99 and Dragged Across Concrete. Highly recommend both of those movies, too, especially tra- especially Cell Block 99. If you want to see 90 minutes of Vince Vaughn beating the tar out of people. <laughs> um, but no, this movie and then, and then uh, banging your mom. <laughs> yeah. Um but no, this... For those of you... I'm not being rude. That was a robot chicken joke. Um, but, but back to this movie, especially for this being his debut, like, Nick, remember, this is this guy's first movie. He... He, he came made, out with a bang. I looked, at, I looked it up. This movie was allegedly made for $1.25 million. I don't know how he assembled this cast together with that budget. I don't know how this movie looks as beautiful as it does with this budget. I don't know how a first-time director is able to not only command the tone, but also this deliberately slow as molasses pace that this movie goes through well, and still we, hold our interest. The thing that we noticed is there was no musical score throughout the movie until the very end. Yeah, literally the last 90 seconds of the movie is the first time there's music like, in this. Like, dude, okay, I took... I didn't even take... I took five notes. I didn't even take one. I just was invested immediately and forgot took, to take notes. I took notes. five notes. The first one is David Arquette and the and that 
guy that plays the clown from House of a Thousand Corpses. Sid Haig. I don't think they've been. I don't think there's been any music yet. How did he make that sound? He had the Call of Duty perk last stand. Sprinkles. That was one of the most metal films I've watched for the show. Yeah, I I I can't I can't agree more. Like, just he nails being able to keep our attention with keeping and in the writing making these characters so interesting and so lively um i was very interested in all the arcs that they were going through i love just the general story going out into the going out into the desert to rescue a woman that got kidnapped um the violence in this i'm if i haven't said it on mic before which i probably have i am a gore hound like kind of a closeted gore hound but like if you advertise your movie as being violent and gory like and you don't deliver the goods on it i'm gonna get kind of mad this one delivered it in spades, so I was happy on that front. But I remember seeing this back in, I want to say, it was on Prime in 2016, like, just a year after it, like, says it came out, 2015. And it's always been in my mind since then. And that's why, like, I went out of my way to see his other movies. And I I love this guy. I, I want to see him make more movies. This is a hell of a debut. One of the best debut movies I've probably ever seen in my life. Like, if we're narrowing the list that far down. But, yeah, I sing this movie's praises all day. Like, just with you. I'm so glad that you've finally seen this now. Like, especially with your affinity for Westerns. That's the thing that's honestly been one of the biggest surprises for me in going through this show is uh, my grandparents on my dad's side are huge into Westerns. Uh, I think think before my grandpa died, he wouldn't watch movies if they weren't Westerns. Did he, was he the first one to tell you about Sister Sarah or was that your dad? I think it was my dad. Okay. Um, and my dad grew up with them. So he grew up with an appreciation for Westerns. Yeah. I never really watched them until we like, I like I'd kind of poke in and out at them, but I never really sat down and dedicated, watch them. Yeah. And then, uh, we got the man with no name trilogy. Uh, episodes last year and i just discovered i really love westerns like that to me is the strangest discovery of the show yeah aside from finally realizing pacing is what is pretty much make or break for me in a movie westerns are amazing is my other crazy thing that i've learned so we need to get so we need to get you to so we need to watch open range and unforgiven and we need um, to do a western a month shane we need to do a western a month yeah, because I have I need to watch a lot of a genre that I've been missing out on apparently. The uh, oh um what and was, or justify buying the movies. The what was the one that uh, Denzel Washington the 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 group of people it was Denzel Washington Chris Pratt and like seven other people. Um, uh, I know what movie you're talking about, but I can't remember the name either. Oh god damn it! Why am I forgetting this one? <laughs> hey, do you want the Margaritaville giveaway jersey? That's a jersey. Yeah, it's a giveaway jersey. Have they actually worn that jersey on the field? They are not going to wear that jersey on the field. I was gonna say they probably wouldn't be allowed to wear that jersey, would they? No. Oh, that. Do you want it? Can I be? Can I give you my honest reaction to seeing that? No. I. I... No, I mean, is your honest reaction get that away from me? My honest, my first reaction to seeing that was, oh dear God, that is hideous. <laughs> it honestly looks like a minor league theme night jersey where like they wear them on the field and auction them off after the game. It looks like they partnered with Jimmy Buffett to make that. <laughs> it's Margaritaville. Of course they partnered with Jimmy Buffett. Oh wait, that was really branded by Margaritaville? Yeah, it's Margaritaville night. Oh, 
I I thought you were saying that was just the name of the shirt. I didn't know that was actually partnered with Margaritaville. <laughs> have you, well, I don't know. I don't know if it's partnered with the restaurant, but like, have you ever actually been to a Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville? Oh yeah, I lived in Orlando. I've been to one. <laughs> there was there was one in Terre Haute when I was there for college, and it closed before my freshman year. I remember eating there when I had like my orientation. Yeah. For going to school, and by the time that I went there for my full year and then decided i'm done i'm out it had already closed dang it was not around for very long from oh maybe it was around for a while before i got there actually i could take a picture of it when i get back home i actually have it looks like a margarita mixer but it's like a plastic like glass like i must have ordered some some margarita in that special glass and like i've just kept it ever since but it's got the logo on it and everything but um no, that shirt is hideous. <laughs> I do not want that shirt. <laughs> I show you. I show you the Blues theme night jersey uh, that I bought. This is not important. Um, <laughs> we have to make that very clear. We will get back to the movie. It's, it's a Nick led episode. There's a lot of stuff that's about to not be important. We. <laughs> this is this is the Blues theme night jersey. That's kind of cool. Ba- based on our '90s, re- the Blues '90s retro. I was gonna jersey. say that looks exactly like the retro that yeah. you've showed me. I I love that retro, by the way. I think it's pretty cool jersey. Yeah, it's nicknamed the clown jersey, and I I I'm one of the Blues fans that likes that. It's very divisive jersey design because they actually didn't have it that long. They only had it like two or three years, and then they were oh like, I didn't know it was retired. Yeah, and then they were like, uh, well, they brought it back as like a retro jersey. I was gonna say or I, alternate jersey, but say, like when it was in it. the '90s, that jersey was worn in the '90s for only like three years, and they're like, uh, get it out. <laughs> No, okay, your home jersey, yes, does look better, but not to take away from that is a neat looking jersey. Yeah. Still, I think. Anyway, Bone Tomahawk. Um so what I really can't get past in this movie is the total lack of music. Like That's the one thing you can't no, get no, over with this? <laughs> well what I what I mean is we talked about it with Jack and Jill where that movie was super quiet. But it just sounds like they keyed in the ADR of the lines. And forgot to put in room tone. And forgot, like, all the other sound. This movie has all the other sound, and they're like, we actually are able to build tension by the lack of music. Yeah, but there's still little gusts of wind. There's still ambient noise. Do you think this movie inspired Jack and Jill? This came out after Jack and Jill. (laughs) Jack and Jill came out in 2011, and this was 2015. Touche. <laughs> what if it did though? Like, what if Adam Sandler was just sitting there, getting ready to make? I that looked movie, at, and then he's just like, "I have a vision." He's he's rich enough. He probably has a time machine. And is just not telling people, and he saw this movie already. Um, but I, that is something that I think really works for this movie. Is it creates constant because te- that's the other thing too. Basically, this one guy's wife gets kidnapped and they go looking for her. And then from the moment they leave town, it is like even before they leave town, there's constant tension because you feel like something bad's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, also, they murder the one kid in the barn. Um, yeah. Well, they well, the, 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 the way the story goes is that like these two guys are killing people, robbing them, and then they stumble upon a burial site. And you mean stumble through stumble through a burial site they like knock over so much crap and just walk through a burial site and don't respect yeah just yeah 
And then Sid dies, and the other guy goes into town. Sid gets killed. Sid doesn't die. Like, yeah, he gets killed. Okay, semantics. But then the other guy goes into town, and they arrest him because he looks suspicious, which honestly, that kind of made me laugh. But he's just, he's like, oh, there's something out there. David Arquette. Yeah, David Arquette is like, something's out there. And then it follows him into town and kills someone. And then... and Well, it follows him into town, and then... Because he's in jail, or to get him to jail, they shoot him in the foot so he can't run away. So they get the they get the town doctor, which is the one guy's wife, Patrick so. Wilson's wife. Yeah, yeah. So and then they also take like the other sheriff deputy or whatever. Um, so the ta- like they send this town of like seventeen people has three, <laughs> for real though <laughs> has two people go missing, and then they send like four three or four more people after them so half the town's looking for these people also their mayor's an idiot yeah but so um they that they have a great name for their bar though the learned goat yeah but what but what i was getting at is like before you get the you get the anticipation of oh no something bad's gonna happen because they're looking for david arquette yeah and then afterward it's Something bad's gonna happen because they're going into the great unknown to look for these people after uh this very brutal tribe of people came after them. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty intense. What do you since we've since we're already like addressing like what do you think of these super what was the word that they used to dis- uh, I'm gonna see if I can pull it up. Do you re- uh was it Mongoloid? Um they get taken by. Um, I'm trying to see if it's here in the IMDb page. They uh, are you are you saying what did the one Native American in town call them? Um, not druids. Um, I can't remember what the. Here it says cannibalistic cave dwellers. There was a sp- yeah, that's what they call them, cannibalistic cave dwellers. I thought they had like a singular word that they called them. I think maybe the Native American in town calls them a mongoloid at some point. I. Th- think that or okay i can't i can't remember i think i can't remember basically it's a it's basically like not a super because there's nothing supernatural about them like they just it's a very intense tribe of indians (laughs) native americans like Like, dude oh my god they talk about like they cannibalize their own families and they rape their mothers is literally what he says about them yeah they they paint themselves then, in white war paint, and then later in the movie we see the one lady that's pregnant, and she's got like stuff stabbed through her eyes, basically rendering her as just a baby machine. Yeah, they also um, make their battle cry. We don't know where. Holy crap! This was insane. We don't know where the extra like uh, that has to be a voice box from some sort of animal. Yeah, I don't know. We don't. We never know where it came from. But they literally put the uh, what would you call that? What the part of the throat? They basically the voice box. They okay, okay. They put a voice box into their own trachea to make different animalistic sounds. There we go. I was gonna say they put a trachea inside their own trachea. That's what I was trying to say. But yeah, uh, voice box. They and they basically walk around more or less like predator. That's kind of what they are, is, like, Native American well, the, predators. The other thing, too, like, the one guy, like, they surgically implant, like, parts of a skull into his jaw and, like, give him, like, horns and stuff and tusks. Yeah, this is not a piercing. This is, like, a borderline operation, what they did to yeah. that guy. Like, dear God. Like, these guys are legit scary. Yeah. And, and not, not only that, like, 
the there's a scene where I think it's Patrick Wilson after they thought that they were going to cut his foot off, his foot off. They don't. And he like kind of falls down. And then these, I think it was two come after him and he shoots one of them and then either runs out of bullets or I think his gun jams or something. Oh, and so he's fumbling around without a kill him. And then the one guy's just like, uh, I'm going to pick up this bow and arrow. And I'm like, uh, this is going to be insane. And he shoots him and like, he keeps fighting back. So he has to shoot him like three times. That's what made me think something supernatural is a part of it, but like, just no, just bad shot or bad luck. Like that's all it is. Like, like, like these, they're so such strong, resilient warriors that basically they're like, if you don't kill me with your shot, I'm not even going to really be slowed down. Yeah. Like, holy crap, a bullet isn't even slowing these guys down. Well, the way they the way they sneak up on people, like when they get ambushed and arrow and shoot everybody with arrows, yeah. that that was that part scared me the most in the movie because like well, just out of nowhere, just blood arrows. I was like, oh snap, we're in an attack now. Well, like, what about like the follow up to that scene where Patrick Wilson cuts out the voice box from the guy's throat and then he starts using it oh. to try and trick him out there, and he blows it, and then the one guy runs out. Oh, yeah, just pops like, out of nowhere. Like, like, he's running at him, and you can't hear him. Yeah. Like, you can't hear, like, the dirt get rustled or anything. Well, when Matthew Fox uh, gets the bone tomahawk thrown and, at and him. Here's, okay, and here's what I mean. It, not to be like Jack and Joe where they just cut out all sound. Like, there's sound, but it's not the sound you would expect. It is like, a it's very... a lot more muffled. It's a very, very subtle, like, like, like barely gliding yeah. across the ground. Yeah. Um... But so we you, agree. So call... we agree they're terrifying. <laughs> they're terrifying. Would you say that they're the villain? They, well, I, yeah. I mean, there's clearly like ill will with Matthew Fox's character. He's, is that is that the guy that he's an... dies and he says, "Leave me the repeating rifle. I'll take as many as I can." Yeah, he was the guy in all white. The guy's hand cut off. Yeah, I was. I was gonna say if if. If the tribe is not uh, the villain, Matthew Fox's character is the villain. Well, he's he's an antagonist for sure. Yeah. Like, he... I, well, he talks to me, he's like, I killed 116 the, or something nati- like that. The native, like, Jesus Christ, man! The Native Americans are the villain of the movie because they ha- have created the central conflict of the movie, which is the wife getting kidnapped. Yeah. The fact that this guy is using this uh, search party... With an ulterior motive to just kill Native Americans because he hates them for, I mean, to be fair, for a good reason. Yeah. That makes him kind of just an antagonist because he's not trying to, I mean, if they get in his way, he doesn't care, but he's not trying to go out of his way to hurt these guys. He wants to hurt the Native Americans. It's just the fact that, like, he doesn't care about why everyone else is going out there. He's going out, he's going out there to hunt them just to kill them. Yeah. Not to really achieve much of anything yeah he's just in a he's just in that state of like rage and revenge like that's what i meant like he doesn't care about the mission they just all happen to be going to where he can have an excuse to just murder native americans dude so uh trying to figure out like what to talk about since we've been going on it for a bit and we've not really dived into many specifics well there's um i mean the, the really that's part of the beauty of this movie is that like its plot is really simple. Yeah. What makes this movie, you got to get from a to B and there's some crazy stuff that's going to happen. Like one of the things that I really like about this movie is 
they don't really run across other people. Like, they run across some other people from this tribe. Yeah. And then it's all about interpersonal conflict or can Patrick Wilson survive getting there? Like, this show, Patrick Wilson uh, has some really bad ankle injury. And he's supposed to be cleaning it and keeping it, like, raised and stuff. And instead he spends all day on a horse with a boot on. And then they, yeah. they're, like... The one of the biggest, most important scenes of the movie is when he goes and lays underneath a tree, and they're like, "Give us the opium that was in your wife's medical bag." And he's like, "How did you know?" It's the it's the little things that, in the way that S. Craig presents this movie, that makes it really stand out and really memorable. Because like, yeah, when it comes to the rescue and like the beginning of the movie, um, like the bigger parts of like the main conflict in the movie, yeah, he executes them very very well. But this movie runs a little over two hours, and there's a lot of deliberately slow pacing to this movie, so you got to figure out a way to keep these characters interesting. So it's on him to write interesting dialogue, cast, a, cast an actor that's talented enough to make us care about this character visually and articulate what he's writing, and it's the it's it, it, he found a way to do it so well. Like, when we sit in Patrick Wilson's room and he's reading the poem that he told his wife he was too embarrassed to read we get to know his character a little better and it adds a level of humanity that a character that we care about while he's stumbling around with his broken leg uh all the campfire talks when they meet the two people just out scavenging around and then they get killed like i think it's all those little moments as they showed up i think i actually said shoot him now well that's they weren't bad, but then Matthew Fox just decided to shoot them because that character he's, sucks. <laughs> he's kinda, I'm not saying he was right. I'm saying he's got a point of how can you truly know they weren't scouts? I, he's not. And I'm like, you got a point, but I'm not saying you're right in killing them. But like, I can't refute what you're saying. Well, they're you cannot trust also, someone to you can well, trust someone and not kill them. <laughs> that uh, was Kurt Russell's point. Well, Kurt, yeah, Kurt Russell was like, I was gonna get information out of them and then probably kill them. Now we can't get information out of them. Yeah, their death was pointless. And I was like, damn, Kurt Russell. By the way, Kurt Russell's beard and mustache combination, the stuff of legend. I d- I forgot to confirm how close to the Hateful Eight this movie was because I know the Hateful Eight was in 2016 and this was in 2015, so they had to have been shot pretty close together. Well, because he has that at least the mustache in both of them. Well, just what I'm getting at is like that mustache is beautiful. And then you pair it with a beard and it's like, oh, I agree. I'm just I'm just saying that I've noticed he had the same mustache in both movies. So I wanted I I just heard that. I just wanted to know how close they were shot together. Your, Your job probably has a more lax policy on facial hair. You should grow that beard and mustache. They do have a lax policy. I probably could get away with that. And, but we have to wear masks. Like, we have to wear masks again at work, so I can't show it off if I do it. <laughs> dude, I um uh I told you about the time that I had that like really like I call it the Hetfield trash dash. Oh, I've seen the photos. At work. I've seen the photos. <laughs> I thought I was gonna get Oh yeah, yelled. and you did tell me that epic story. And I thought I was gonna get yelled at, and the guy was like, I wanna thank you for helping uh everyone mentioned that you've been helping them. I really wanna thank you for that. So not this. Oh, I remember. Oh, I remember that story. Yeah. This is oh, it's so funny. Um, funny, funny thing is, I actually saw the guy that had that talk with me. I saw him the other day, and I was like, "Hey, how you doing, bud?" Wait, where'd you see him? Matt? just out during work, or yeah. Oh, okay, I yeah. 
Yeah, we we leave it there if we need to. Yeah, sensitivity, I'm, I'm gonna but... leave it there. I'm just saying, I did see, I did see him the other day, and I, didn't see I was him just trying to ask if you saw him out of work or at work. That was all at work. Oh, okay. Um. So back back to stuff that doesn't matter. Back to this. Um. <laughs> so now you're saying the movie doesn't matter. <laughs> um. Well, one one thing in this movie that we should really make sure that we really dive into is just the brutality of the violence in this movie. It's because I will say I've never seen uh, never is a strong word. I can't recall off the top of my head, a movie that handled violence this way that I've seen. It's where it's the violence isn't sell like it. I don't know how to word this other than the violence feels like you're watching a documentary in terms of it's, it's very harsh, very blunt the way it presents the violence while at the same time, while at the same time, not like boring or like when the guy gets his arm lopped off. Yeah. I was like, I feel like that's what it would look like if a guy got his arm lopped off They're Like the blood takes a second to come out. Yeah. It doesn't just have a geyser effect out of the arm. <laughs> Looking at you, Tarantino. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't fill an Olympic sized swimming swimming pool with the blood. Yeah, honestly, let's talk about like Tarantino. Like Oh yeah, his movies. Let's talk let's talk about um Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. The the violent ending of that movie. Just copious amounts of blood and like yeah. loving the violence. Whereas this presents it as just like, no, we're presenting this as like just if we took a camera crew along with these people. So the violence comes across like that. Like the scene where Kurt Russell and the guy from step brothers are walking through that tunnel and Kurt Russell gets shot in the arm with a bow and arrow. And then the guy gets hit in the head. Yeah. By the way, that guy has several moments of getting clubbed in the head with stuff that he's just fine with. Yeah. But like it's, they don't show it in a way where it's like, oh, maybe they're okay, or maybe they're unaffected. It's more of just like, yeah, they got hit in the head, and we're we're not gonna like overly uh, the- make make this overly theatrical. This is just what happened to him, and they're dealing with it. The his scene- his style is a lack of stylistic flourishing of like the gruesome details. Like, there's no better way to put it other than it just happens. Like, it's that's all there is to it. It is the least flashy depiction of horrifically brutal violence well we were talking about it with uh when he cuts out the voice box yeah when When he he cut open kurt russell when he cuts open kurt russell yeah when he cuts open kurt russell and uh who was it you or joan was like you know he looks like he'd probably be fine and i'm like yeah aside from the fact that that's right around a bunch of vital organs and they shoved something in him no she was she was saying that at least the wound would be cauterized because that metal uh that metal flask was, was so sitting hot, in coal yeah. so that's what she was saying was that the wound at least would have been cauterized okay that makes sense um but yeah just like really like bravo to the fact that they have such brutal violence in this movie and they don't overly dwell on it yeah like, it's it's not it's not flat it's still horrific what happens but there's no flash to it like it's just Oh, I just watched a guy get stabbed or hit in the face or get his hand cut off. It is very matter of fact. It garners attention because of how blunt and strong of violence it is. Yeah. 
but they picked very subtle sound effects too. It does, yeah, but it doesn't go over the top to the point where that's why it's getting attention. It's not over the top attention seeking. Yeah, it it draws itself by not being done the same way that like we've been conditioned to with like an extra loud crunch or an extra loud bang or an extra big squirt of blood. Like its subtlety is what makes it so effective. We're talking about other movies in the Western genre too. Like people get shot with cannons. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, they're dead. And they're just like, they're crumpled up over there. This one probably would be like, yeah, his legs here, his one leg, his other legs in Vermont, his head's in Alaska. It would be in a, (laughs) it would be a master shot where we see a body explode and it just lands where it lands. No extra CGI like to it. Like we would see and it, it, knowing as Craig, he probably would get a guy to like make that dummy like as close to human anatomy accurate as possible. <laughs> it treats it, by treating the violence with respect. It treats the audience with respect. Oh yeah. That's why I want you to watch cell block so bad. <laughs> Is that the Vince Vaughn movie? Yeah, 90 minutes of him just murdering people. <laughs> All right. Um, not, not necessarily for the show. I think it would just be fun to just have a couple drinks and watch it. Is is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to really weigh in on? Um, I know this is. Kind I mean, of part a, of the I know movie... this is kind of a quick one, but it's one of those things where it's like there's not a lot to really dive into in depth. That's part of the beauty of this movie, though, which is like part was... of why it's so awesome. Yeah, it's a very simple plot. S. Craig, just the time in between the action is where you know you can cut it as a director, at least to me. If you were making a movie like this, you got to fill that time and make it interesting. And he does it. That's why I love this movie so much. And what we were talking about when we saw it, that's probably my favorite aspect of the movie. Not just how brutal the violence is, is that like I cared so much about the characters during the actual journey because really. That the the middle chunk of this movie getting to the cave, that's a majority of the runtime. Well, the other thing too, um, something that I think about with the movie is, is there anything in the movie that you could see as, if it's not handled properly, making the movie suck. And frankly, I think the violence could, had they done it over the top or overly gratuitous or tried to lean into the horror element harder than they do. Oh yeah, this... because because this is very much a uh, Western horror. This this could have easily in a, in the hands of another director. This could have easily been like one of those seventies grindhouse exploitation films. There this could have, have been, easily been. A there grindhouse. could have been so many crappy jump scares too. Oh, the acting could have been so much worse. The violence could have been like way more over the top. Like then this is like grounded, uh, kind of almost scaled back. Not scaled back, but like. It feels like it's scaled back. Controlled. Yeah, there we go. That's a better way to phrase it. It doesn't. It doesn't feel out of control and wild. It feels. It could it, have had. <laughs> thinking of this being a '70s exploitation film, it could have had like way more racist characters. <laughs> well, so, something else too that could have made this movie bad is they don't really explain anything about the tribe. Yeah, no. I, and think why, about that. We don't really learn anything other than they're like, we think they're 12. They kidnap we, people. They hurt each other. They're violent as hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, they would have been like, there could have, like, if this was handled differently, there'd be a scene where, like, they overly explain stuff. It's like, no, we don't need them overly explained. Oh, and it would have, it could have easily turned into, like, Cannibal Holocaust, but in the desert, too. Like, yeah. I just, 
man, just imagining this movie made in the 70s makes me so happy that we have a director that, like, S. Craig, I... I hope he doesn't do a Stanley Kubrick. I'm just going to throw this out there. I hope he doesn't do... I mean, we're in COVID right now, but I hope that he doesn't end up being a Stanley Kubrick where he makes one movie every five years. Well, I would I would really be okay with getting in a, in a routine of like every two years we get a new S. Craig movie. I would love that. Well, to kind of finish up what I was talking about, though, like, is there anything in this movie which... To you, sounds like if you have a director that doesn't understand how to handle the culture of the movie properly, well, could make it suck. That, but also understanding what what defines the genre you're working in. If the guy, if someone came in, S. Craig Zoller clearly, at least to me, is a big fan of Western films and has probably seen a lot of them and actually took the time to understand like what it takes to make a good Western movie. Ironically left all of the music out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Outside of that creative choice, he clearly understood the genre he was working in and wanted to be as respectful and uh, true to what makes a good Western as possible. If a director understands the lane that they're in and does it very well or reinvents it in a way to better that genre, then kudos, you did a great job. Well, that's like he well, clearly respects westerns. That's like what I said. Is it, it? He doesn't lean into the horror genre too much. It's like yeah. you're making a western, but you're making a scary western. You're making a brutally yeah. You're making a brutal western. You're not making a horror movie set as a western. Yeah. No. Oh, you're making oh, a western. You're making a western that happens to have horror film elements. Yeah, that's like um, that's like when. Joan and I were talking about like that string of like 2010s movies that had like SNL actors, but they were dramas. And I explained to her that like, Oh, I've seen a couple of them. Those are dramas that happen to be funny. A couple moments. Like those aren't, I hate the word dramedy. Those are dramas that happen to have a couple good jokes in them. Like (laughs) there's still dramas at the end of the day. Yeah. Just like this is still a Western at the end of the day. It's scary as hell a little bit, but uh, no, it's still a Western at the end of the day. So who would you cast Nick Cage to be in this and why? Oh, I love the bartenders. I I just love him in general. Like whenever he pops up in something, I always get a big smile on my face. But I would like Nick Cage to be the bartender. I think I'd have him be the guy that gets ripped in half. (laughs) Because he has, I just like when he's at the jailhouse and he's like, why can't you get that guy to do it? Yeah. (laughs) Just seeing Nick Cage ripped in half. And scalped. He'd be scalped. Oh, my butthole. He'd be scalped, too. Avenge me. I definitely... Oh, yeah. No, you you did, too. You were like, is that poo? And then when he got more cut in half, you're like, oh, no, it's blood. (laughs) I did say that. I forgot. Is that poo? No, it's blood. It's like Stan in that South Park episode. Ew, that's poo. (laughs) Or no. That was the, ew, that lady's getting pooed on. I completely forgot about that. But you don't um, watch South Park as much as I do. No, no, no. I forgot about the... Is that poo? Oh. <laughs> How was that not one of your notes? <laughs> I read all my notes. I, I did too. I literally had none. <laughs> well, it was funny. It ended and then we watched uh, the the Blair Thumb. Um, speaking of the Blair Thumb, is there uh, anything you want to shout out that movie for? Um, I laughed really Because har- you liked it way more than Thumbtanic. A shark coming through the tent was really, really funny. I like that a lot. Maybe it was a piranha. Uh, 
Um, Jian was funny. Jan, he was funny. Or Jash, Jish, 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 Jish was funny. Um, I really liked um that the that the twist ending wasn't that uh nobody got it out alive. It was uh they were what Frankenstein, Frankenthumb, Frankenthumb. I liked the Frankenthumb party at the end. That was funny. Um, did you like all the stories that they told about the Blair Thumb? Where they're like, wait, r- remind she me. She took their heads. Oh, the switched them. <laughs> then she took their bodies. She switched, switched them too. They came out looking the same. <laughs> we all knew they'd been all switched up. <laughs> those two, those two hillbillies were really funny. I agree. Do you know Ned Beatty? Um, Blair, Thumb, liked, Blair Thumb was so much better than Thumbtanic. I liked all that was found. Was a Streisand CD and a mini disc single of "It's Raining Men." Yeah. Oh my God! Everything that she read in that letter was hilarious. Like, or what was that? What was that letter? Each one's hand was in the next one's pants. Yeah. <laughs> they were all bound together. It's like they said. They told them to please go away and mind their own business. No, I'm they gonna, were found decapitated and very tired. I'm going to change what I said before. Her reading that was the funniest part because everything that she read on what, that letter was so goddamn funny. What What about <laughs> kiss the slate? It's close to the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> peeing on it. <laughs> oh my gosh, I. Oh, I don't know. I don't want you to tell me. I want to experience each one of them, like. I, I will say Blair Thumb might be my favorite. Um, it's been a really long time since I've seen God Thumb. What about Bat Thumb? I watched Bat Thumb too much. Am I gonna I hate? Am it. I gonna hate Bat Thumb? You might. <laughs> <laughs> you you honestly might. I feel like I feel like honestly, out of all those, I'm afraid of God Thumb and Bat Thumb the most. God, I feel like I'm gonna hate God Thumb a lot. Depending on how they... I ruin one thing for you and Godthumb? What what what's one thing in it? When they reference the part where he gets shot and he's in a wheelchair. <laughs> Instead, they just cut off his body and he's just a head. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Is that just a thumb tip? Oh my it, god! It's so funny. Jesus! Yeah, that's not that wasn't something I was expecting. <laughs> this isn't helpful. This is a monkey. Oh. How do they? Is right. the is when they is when they kill. Michael or Thumbcole, whatever they're gonna call him, is when they call Michael pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say there's no way they they skip that part. The be- one of the best parts in that movie actually is the toll booth scene. Yeah, when they kill Michael, they don't kill him. What? They just throw a bunch of pennies at him. <laughs> <laughs> is it and like, he, like it's uh, overwhelmed and falls down? That makes me think of like uh uh, Peter getting hit in the junk with nickels. Oh my god! So no, actually, I take ah, that back. Ah, bag of nickels. The, <laughs> the funniest moment in that movie, and I know this is ruining it, but you'll laugh when you watch it, is when they do the thing in the restaurant where he's supposed to plant the gun and come out and kill them. Oh, in the bath. Oh, in in the the whatever they call it, the tank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he goes in there, just like, where's the gun? Where'd you hide the gun? Where'd you gun? And then you hear a guy go, "Hey, this isn't toilet paper." And then you hear a sub. <laughs> You hear a submachine gun fire like four rounds, and then you hear because <laughs> he shot himself to death and crapped his pants when he died. Okay, that that would that's that's funny. That one's funny. Ha! You do crap your pants when you die. 
<laughs> I love that Walmart vanishes into nothing at that episode and then just craps its pants. <laughs> let's go to the... I love that episode. Let's go to the outro. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to our thoughts on Bone Tomahawk. Fugay. And I forgot to do it last time. Fugay. Yes, double Fugay. Thank you, Iowa Murphy Fugay, for the bumper Fugay. 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 Like lasers. Beep, pew. Beep, 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 beep. Bang, bang. I'm going to finger bang you. <laughs> Meg, that's disgusting. <laughs> I, oh, I thought that was a South Park reference. Oh, no, that was in Family Guy. When she comes in, she's just like, I'm going to finger bang both of you. And they're like, May, go go to the garage. May, get out of here. <laughs> I'm the best. I'm, you're just mad because I'm the best goalie. You're goalie because you're fat, Cartman. <laughs> I'm not fat. I just got a sweet hockey bod. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, reviews next week. That's what we got to tell you about. Uh, next week, uh, you have the option to stay at home with HBO or you can go to the theaters uh, because we are reviewing the new James Wan film, Malignant uh yet to be determined we're probably gonna watch them at home because we can't really see anything together yeah this week, it's but... it's gonna be a next to impossible for us to be able to see the movies together so well and and yeah is so it... and all and also the new release i might with what my schedule is gonna be for the weekend i might really be stuck at the mercy of i can watch it when i watch i can watch it yeah not when i can make it to a theater i not gonna lie the fact that like there's not a paywall I might just watch it at home. If there was a paywall, that's the thing. If there was ever a paywall, hell yeah, I'm going to use A-List and go to the theater. But because there's no paywall, yeah, I'm like 90% more tempted to just watch this at home. (laughs) (laughs) I'll watch it at night so the lights are, so like it's actually dark and stuff. But yeah, there's like a 90% better chance that I'm going to watch it at home when there's no paywall. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, Malignant. That's what we're going to watch. Dan doesn't like having to get gas. <laughs> Malignant is what we're going to be reviewing. I finished that statement by burping. Ooh, I need water for brownie bites. Uh, <laughs> uh, Malignant, that's what we're going to be reviewing on Tuesday. Like I said, it's on HBO Max uh, if you don't want to go into the theater. Um, our second movie, Nick, you got super jazzed at because you picked it uh, an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was going to be a couple different movies, but... Uh, Part of the reason I chose not to go with them is because of their incredibly long runtime. And then I found out that this, I lost my mind when I found this out, is actually streaming finally. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. It'll... I've actually wanted to review this on the show for a very long time. Ironic that's a movie that's set in Chicago. <laughs> I just, come on, sometimes, I had to. Some, sometimes things that are good can rise above that giant shithole. <laughs> I think this will actually be our first John Hughes movie too. In did we did we do any Home Alone movies? He only wrote those. He didn't direct them. And no, we didn't do any of the Home Alones. I don't think he directed Home Alone one. I th- okay. Or I thought he only wrote them. I don't know. But no, the you're the one that's supposed to know. You're the movie guy. Well, no, I'm thinking back. Like we didn't do Sixteen Candles. We didn't do Breakfast Club. Like we haven't done. I think this is our first John Hughes film in the three years we've been doing the show. I mean, I don't have his resume in front of me, but yeah. Netflix. I'm glad you confirmed it was on Netflix. That's pretty sweet. So it's been okay. Uh, I can't remember the last time I've seen this movie. It's been a it's been a minute since I've seen this. But this was. It's been a couple years for me. 
I know this is one of my dad's other favorite movies too, like up there with like Blues Brothers and any Elvis movie. Um, <laughs> yeah, my dad. Have I not told you about my dad? I did not know that about your dad that your dad was a big Elvis movie fan. Well, big Elvis period fan. Oh, I don't know that. Oh, really? No. Oh no, I'll, I'll tell you more off mic. But like, oh no, my dad and Elvis are like, yeah, he. Good news. More good news <laughs> about God Tom. The guy that wants to be in movies is doing an Elvis impression. Fun. <laughs> I'm so thrilled. And he wants to be an Electro Robo Boogie too. Good to know. <laughs> Electro Robo Boogie too. Electro Robo Boogie too. Dude. Electro Robo Boogie me. Electro Robo Boogie you. The I haven't seen that movie in like seven years, and I still remember that song. <laughs> so yeah, Ferris Bueller. Netflix, you said, right? Not not Hulu. Netflix. Yes, Netflix. Okay, just wanted to make sure I said that clear. Malignant's on HBO. Uh, yeah, now it's your turn. Tell everybody where they can reach out to us. Facebook, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema. Instagram, Brownie underscore points underscore guide. And Twitter, at Brownie underscore cinema. As well as Brownie Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. Show logo, the bold popcorn with a brownie. It's the profile picture for everything. Make sure you're sending us Brownie Bites. It is where the topics to discuss countdowns to do or movie trailers to review. Uh, make sure that you are leaving us recommendations. Uh on our social media pages and also on movies to watch. Also make sure you're leaving us reviews on whatever platform you listen to us on. If we get them, I will read them on air. Uh, we don't do ads. You're welcome. I found out how annoying that can be when I was catching up on a bunch of podcasts when I was like, good God, I actually feel like I'm not listening to that much podcast, just ads. Uh, I feel like ad breaks and other podcasts could be labeled. This is not important. Um, but, say you never mind. I'll, I'll withhold what I was saying. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we don't do that. So make sure you do everything you can to help us grow. Tell us, pe- tell people about us. Shout out, shout us when you're making love, all that stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, like I said, make sure you leave us reviews on whatever platform you listen to us on. That really helps us break through algorithms. And we don't have a Patreon. We don't do ads. We don't really ask for much from you. Just do that. Back to you, Dan. Yes. And with that. Thank you for listening, everybody. We will continue to always be here in your ears on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor.com, and all other major podcasting platforms here and around the globe. Foreign listeners, we know you're out there, so thank you for listening as well. Guys, I'm going to keep it short. Just take care of yourselves. You know what to do. Just, we implore you to get the vaccine. At this rate, we you may already know what camp you're in. I mean, let's be real. The vaccine's been available for a while now, but... Always keep an open mind and reconsider if you haven't gotten it. Um, otherwise, just keep washing your hands. Uh, wear your mask if you have to, depending on where you're at, or if you just want to. And just just give a damn about each other. Open your ears and your hearts. And hopefully we'll get back to normal sooner than later. But we'll see. It's in your hands. <laughs> and with that, folks, that's all we got for you this week. We'll be back Sunday with a news episode. And... Tuesday will be Malignant, and Thursday will be Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Catch you then. Ask me about the magical meat cube magician. She switched them too. They came out looking the same. We all knew they'd been all switched up. <laughs>